All right, see, I'm just saying, if WAP was a poem that was written by Ed Gein, it would not have the massive public <laughs> appeal that it does when it's written by <laughs> Cardi B. <laughs> Am I right? Wow. I mean, yeah, you know, no, it's it would be a whole different song. Really, I would put a different the spin on things. <laughs> I would be like, yeah, that's no, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Bring a bucket and a mop. Oh no! Wet ass <laughs> pussy. Damn it, Ed! <laughs> Stop it! Always clowning around with them lady parts, Ed. <laughs> Welcome, dead lovely listeners, to the wettest horror movie podcast <laughs> in this multiverse and beyond. Why, it's dead and lovely, the only horror movie review podcast here with your best buddies in all the land. Why, it's me, your good pal, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. Don't bring your mogwais around here. Oh, man. Keep them out, right? Keep them out. Because we're We'll be talking about gremlins too. Yeah, they wouldn't get along with no. none of that WAP. You'd be just covered in them things for long. Somebody you expose needs them to, to that. make that. Somebody needs to make a version Stat. of of wet ass pussy the video, but with like a mogwai at the beginning, and then it gets wet and it turns into gremlins throughout. It's just a whole chorus by the end. At first, it starts off with just a single singer, and by the end, it's a massive. Massive Brian Wilson-style <laughs> Phil Spector chorus of Gremlins awesome. singing the song. They just keep on multiplying those I, things. I love it, yeah. Somebody do that. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about Gremlins too today, but before we do that, we're going to be drinking a cold beer. We're going to be yes, shooting the shit, talking about are. what we've been watching, what we've been doing and stuff this week. If you want to get on to the movie review and find out if this is the movie for you, because I know that's why people listen to the show, right? right? Yeah, they're There's like, a timestamp for you right there I, in the podcast description. Should I watch this movie they're talking about? Let me hear mm. an entire analysis of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, should I spend an hour 20 watching this movie? Let's listen to this three-hour podcast to help me decide. <laughs> yeah. Hit the timestamp, busters. Go. Yeah, if you're into that, if that's what you want to do, <laughs> if you don't want to fucking hang out with us or whatever, <laughs> I guess. Oh, man. Dude, I'll tell you what, Steve. Every time... I just get like a little glimmer of hope and I'm like, maybe we can start recording the show in person again because we're still doing this remotely, by the right. way, we're still doing this remote. Um, like a million more people literally get COVID. A million more, yeah. Literally a million. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you what, Steve, I'll tell you why this shit is happening. Why is that? So earlier today, I had to take Zora to the vet because she gets some injections to help her with her arthritis and stuff like that. Right. Took her to the vet. And uh, I was asking our veterinarian, I was like, have you guys had any, you know, like scares or anything? Is everything still cool? Everybody's staying healthy? And she's like, yeah, thankfully, everybody here has been good to go. Everybody's gotten tested. Everything's good here. So, you know, we're really lucky, though, because I have a friend who is a hairdresser that just had a hell of a story the other day. And I was like, oh, yeah? And she's like, yeah. So my friend, this is the vet speaking, my friend right. that's a hairdresser was cutting this lady's hair who just like starts busting out in this coffin fit. She's like, oh my God, hang on. I, you know, I got a cough coming on here. Lady coughs her head off. The beautician is like, oh girl, you sound like you got that Rona. Ha ha. Lady turns around and is like, yeah, I do. Oh. Oh. Yeah. But I had to get my hair cut. I mean, Thanksgiving's coming up. I got to get my hair done before Thanksgiving. So that's oh. just what I had to do. They 
kick that bitch out with a half done haircut on the streets. Yeah, I say fucking good. Fuck her. Dude, can you imagine being such an inconsiderate piece of shit? No. That you're like, hey, (laughs) my my barber might have immunocompromised children or people in their household that could literally be killed by this mild case of coronavirus that I have, but I don't really give a fuck. I got to get my haircut. Or a... I'm young you, person could have uh, uh, lung damage for the rest of their life, or yeah. brain damage, or heart yeah. damage. All sorts of things are coming from coronavirus that are way worse than anything following the flu. So, yeah. And just it also indicates that this don't. person was going to Thanksgiving despite yeah. having the, the fucking pestilence. Right. I Holy will not be fuck. going anywhere for Thanksgiving <laughs> because of... Uh, that that exact yeah. thing that yeah. uh, is going to kill a lot of people and uh the hospital here in knoxville are at capacity so mm-hmm. yeah where are you is, gonna go this is being recorded you need a ventilator two days before thanksgiving i guess right? yeah yeah so we might be seeing more fallout already by people getting together for massive gatherings and stuff we hope everybody out there is staying safe i hope that everybody has a uh unique and memorable thanksgiving without any kind of pestilence in their household or anything like that uh you know zoom man it's it's crazy thanksgiving how about that you know just make some memories by doing something different it's not a bad idea i hope everybody are uh, already has done that because of course this is coming out after thanksgiving yeah. Uh, but man alive, dude. What a fucking crazy time. But man, at the same time, I'm not surprised to see that kind of inconsiderate attitude because I can't tell you how many times I've had people drop off kids for guitar lessons and kids is like, you know, falling asleep in the chair. I'm like, hey, are you okay? They're like, oh, yeah, I have mono. <laughs> it's like, what the, the fuck, fuck are you here? Why the fuck are you here? <laughs> yeah. Like, shit like that has happened so fucking many times that as soon as I knew, it's like, yeah, there's a pandemic in America. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be fucking bad. This is going to be real bad. <laughs> yeah. At this point, we are currently packing our bags and stuff for a nice little beach vacay that we're spending over Thanksgiving there. We decided it's just better to stay away from our families and stuff like that. we got a lot of at-risk people in our family trees and everything. So, you know, we have just rented a little place for ourselves right yeah. near D Beach, just for yeah. myself and my wife and our dog, and we're just gonna be alone somewhere else. I mean, we've been alone in this apartment all year, so now yeah. we're gonna be alone somewhere else for the Thanksgiving uh, holiday, and I think it's gonna be fun. We're having fun I... for Thanksgiving. Come on, that's awesome. Yeah, it sounds awesome to me, honestly. Like, whenever I told Emily what you guys were doing, she was like, oh, I wish we had done that. <laughs> it might become a tradition, dude. Like, yeah. I have a feeling this is gonna get good to me because, like, Thanksgiving is not our holiday at all i've never liked thanksgiving my whole life i've Mm. never liked thanksgiving at all i uh have always loved it because i i like food you're like bob from bob's burgers dude yeah yes i'm exactly like Bob. yeah it was once i got to start cooking thanksgiving my for myself that i really fell in love with it because it was just like oh my god i can work all year to perfect a recipe yes and then strut it out yeah man like i worked so hard on my gravy i already started working on it by the way for this year like i i made i made my stock came out a perfect gelatinous stock that is just gonna be so awesome for the gravy i'm excited i i also uh i also rendered the the chicken fat 
to use the schmaltz to make the roux. Oh, yeah, schmaltz? Yeah, buddy. What is this going on? What is that? It's, it's rendered chicken fat. You can use oh. it like butter, basically, but it has, you know, more flavor. Is that some of that chicken butter I've heard about? Is that chicken some butter? Some chicken butter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, wow. I, I love Thanksgiving, but I get not loving it. So you're, it. Doing, a, you're doing a chicken, not a turkey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. You know, the only reason That's to do way. a turkey is because, uh, you know, you got a lot of people coming, but it's just me and Emily, so uh, yeah, a chicken. Dude, that's one of those things about cooking a whole turkey that I've never understood. It's like, I think people cook the whole bird because fucking Norman Rockwell, right? Yeah, like, we you all want have the image in like, our head. Yeah, you want it to look like a perfectly cooked uh, brown on the outside bird. Yeah. Yeah, but by the time an entire animal gets cooked through, there's parts that are grossly way overdone. Yeah, yeah especially with a breast that large. Oh, big yeah, old turkey dude. titties. They're, oh, man, them turkey titties, they take some time. I'll tell <laughs> you that, do. man. But then the crazy thing is, is like almost every Thanksgiving that I've been to, the turkey gets carved up in the kitchen and taken to the dining room table on a plate as cut. Yeah, so it's, so it's like, like, what who the was fuck the cares? point? Why are yeah, you doing well, it that way? Yeah, it actually ends up looking better if you uh, cut it up first. It yeah. ends up like you can get a nice even browning all over it. And then you don't have to carve it losing juices. The juices yeah. are just nice and locked in there. It's great. Right. Well, because here's the shocking thing. It's like, okay, chicken breast, right? It's already uh, like the most easy to dry out, bland-ass oh, yeah. piece of meat ever. How about a turkey breast that's like five of those put together? Yeah. And then by the time you cook that thing through, it's just ridiculous. It's like, man, it's going to be dry as fuck. How about if you just take that huge thing and turn it into like... Two or three butterflied fillets that you can actually cut, uh, yeah. sorry, cook into something that is going to be edible rather than this big old dried out six inch thick piece of white meat that has no fat on it. Stupid. Hey, yeah. this episode is going to be full of some oh, yeah, cooking we got tips some more for y'all, food by the way. Coming. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of food talk on this one, so hope y'all are buckled up. <laughs> Steve, it's been a fucking hectic week i think anytime that you're planning on you know a little vacation jaunt such as yeah. we are it's gonna be super busy i'm trying to get content done a week in advance plus all yeah. the packing and all that kind of stuff planning meals because we're not going out i mean we're literally right. just going to lock ourselves into a house at the beach that we're going to <sighs> sterilize <laughs> yeah i know right but it's, it's not like we're going out and doing anything so we had to like yeah. plan meals and shop for meals and prep meals and all that kind of stuff too so it's been fucking hectic i've barely had time to watch nary a thing have you watched anything this week steve oh man i've been watching and watching and watching spree yeah uh before i get to any of the horror movies or anything though uh auntie donna's uh big old house of fun on netflix what is that go fucking watch it oh my god if you if you like uh uh mr show or comedy bang bang mm -hmm. it's like uh, it's like that it's a sketch show where all the sketches run into each other um, and it's an Australian comedy troupe and the comedy is insane it is really it's so funny I've and, not heard anything about this yeah I, yeah it's probably not been heavily like advertised but they were on uh, the comedy bang bang podcast because Scott Ackerman is a producer on the show Mm. And uh, they were talking about, and the episode was so funny. I was like, "Well, I'm gonna check this out." And man, it had me in the first three minutes. I was just like, "What? This is hilarious!" And it just gets funnier from there. So, check it out. 
Damn, got to scope that one out then. Yeah. Uh, but I've been watching some horror movies. I like those. Like crazy, my man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I watched a little horror movie called Blood Vessel, which is... Okay, you told me you watch this. I've never heard of this. What this is? Okay, so this is on Shudder. It is, um, it's a movie about a ship full of... Va- a Nazi ship full of vampires. Now, to say the okay. n- vampires are Nazis is not exactly correct but to say that nazis have been turned into vampires is true so i i wanted to say a nazi vampire movie but that's not accurate <laughs> there are vampires that were nazis but dude the main vampire not a nazi but the thing is uh it, it's not like a big budget movie but the vampire the main vampire the design the makeup is so good it looks Ooh. great i okay. loved it not an amazing movie, but I don't think it was aiming for amazing. It is uh, a, a pretty good action horror movie. Okay, I'll check that yeah. one out. Worth a watch. I also watched a little movie called 13 Ghosts, which I had never Dude, seen. I think that I saw that like for fucking ever ago, whenever <laughs> that came out. When was that released? That was like early 2000s, right? Yeah, I think, t- I don't remember if it's 2000, 2001, but... Uh, yeah, it was early early two thousands. Uh, Matthew Lillard, Tony Shalhoub, uh, it's several recognizable people. It uh, here's the thing: is I had never watched it ever because it, it the title was stylized as T H I one three R T E E, and so it was like thirteen teen. Clearly brought to you by the same people that conceived Scraform, where it's like yeah. Scream 4, Scraform. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> that looks fucking stupid. I I just, throughout the years, I had heard several different people say they really liked the movie or, you know, they they referenced it in some way. And it's like, I, I don't know that. Uh, so I was like, finally, like, yeah, I'll just watch this. Um, It is not great, but aesthetically very interesting. See, I seem to like recall visuals from it. Like, I can't recall yeah. anything about what it's about, but I remember a guy that had like, like a cage around his head or something. Yeah, yeah. The ghost design is really cool, and uh, the like the lore to it was very interesting and stuff. I I found it to be entertaining enough that I'm planning on watching the director's other movie, Ghost Ship after we record so that's the same guy okay yeah. see that's weird because in my head i get those two movies confused a lot like those are kind of the same movie to me yeah i i haven't seen ghost ship either so i you know watching it made me be like well i would watch more of whatever this guy makes uh, it's not like you know it's, it wasn't great and the story kind of falls apart and it's just like eh. but it it was so visually interesting and like had me with the lore that I was like I'd like to see more of this. Mm-hmm. So okay, check out Thirteen Ghosts if you've never seen it. It's been so long. Like I would actually like to go back and rewatch that one sometime. I remember thinking it was like all right, and like you said, had cool visuals. So yeah. sounds like it's worth a watch. I also watched the uh, three movies we'll cover in the future, so I'm not even going to talk much about them. But Ooh. Predator Two. Still awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's been forever since I saw that one too, man. Predator we, in the city. Wood. We need to get wood back and do Predator 2. Uh, get only <laughs> Andy Wood back. I think yeah. you're right. We should do that. 
The Love Witch, which I hadn't seen, and we have to do because I haven't I'm seen that one. Enamored no. with that. And then uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which I think we talked about a couple there weeks ago. There you go. Yeah, I watched that one a couple weeks ago. How did it get to you? Because I watched oh, it again, I, yeah, and I was I've, like, man, this is fucking cool. I've always enjoyed it and, and just enjoyed it more. And I, I, I really confused by people who hate it. I know, I, I right? I get people who aren't just like, just aren't into it. But I, there are people out there who like hate it, hate it. So that's uh, weird. We'll have to what, do it Do you in not the like seeing Helena Bonham Carter getting heart punched? What's the matter with you? <laughs> That heart punch, dude. That yes. thing hits. It's brutal. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. No, I, I'm into it. I, I think it's uh, definitely worth covering on the show at some point in the future. But The Love Witch, awesome. I, okay. I, I I've heard of that one. It. Yeah. I was wondering yeah. if it was any good. It's like always on Amazon Prime or something, and yeah. I always skip it by. So it's actually worth a watch, huh? It, yeah. It's on Amazon Prime and Shutter. Go check it out. It's... it's um heavily stylized it's supposed to be like 1960s type of style all right then man all right anything else you seen yeah um we'll be talking about it next week because um, <laughs> it's something i watch this week too yeah ben you told me to watch tammy and the t-rex because my wife had told me to watch it because she watched it one night while i was editing video i was here like editing video like a maniac on my computer and kate was like I'm just going to put this on in the background because I edit in the same room that the TV is in. And I think editing my video took twice as long as usual because I kept just turning around and watching the TV being like, <laughs> what the fuck are you watching? <laughs> it is a treasure. Dude, my I, my mind was blown watching that movie <laughs> to the point of like, like I watched it yesterday and was just like, we have to do this. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm going to be obsessed with it for a week anyway. So <laughs> I might as well write down my notes and turn it into talk content, it. man. Yeah. Fuck it, man. Anything you can turn it into content. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun to talk about that one on the show because it is it is just a ridiculous fucking movie. It's on Showtime yeah. as of the time of recording of this, as of November 24th. It's also on Shudder. Oh, it's on Shudder, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is it the unrated Tanny and the Teenage yeah. T-Rex cut? Yeah, yeah, it's the full Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. God, we're, we're going to have to... Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say fine. anything about it because there's yeah, so same. much. There's so but much But it's, it's a treasure, about. and watch it, listeners, yes, to get ready for please. when we review it because yeah. it's fucking awesome, man. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, good stuff, man, good stuff. I've also had time to watch a couple of things this week, but nothing all that much man the other night i texted you and i was like man i need something just to have on i've had a busy day i finally get a chance to sit down and practice some guitar for a minute what should i put on and you suggested a summer of 84 it was the year i was born it was the time of my life as green day might say Mm -hmm. cool movie too is all right i liked it yeah it's one you don't have to pay a ton of attention to it's not deep or anything really it's just pretty cool movie it is. It kind of yeah. had elements of, I'll say, like, uh, I'm not a serial killer. Right. Plus, I don't know, man, just some of these recent, you know, uh, spell of 80s-based things. Yeah. Stranger that we've Things-ish. Had a little. Yeah, into the yeah. fucking world a little right. bit. Yeah. Pretty cool, yeah. man. Like, I kind of expected it to get into some kind of crazy supernatural kind of shit, probably because of I'm not a serial killer. Right, because it was going a similar direction, it seemed, yeah. Yeah, but this all just kept it pretty well rooted in reality, and it was cool. Like, it's not exactly the most thrilling movie ever made, but I was able to practice guitar and uh, work on my alternate picking <laughs> while keeping up with this 
pretty cool movie. I enjoyed yeah. it, man. Yeah. Timmy and the T-Rex, not a movie you can do that with, though. No, no, that's, that's going to take over your entire sensory Yeah, the second spectrum. you turn it on, it, it's all that you're going to be thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> the other day, we also started watching the Animaniacs reboot, which I totally that too. stuck up on me. Dude, yeah. like... We're all right with it. I yes. think it's pretty fucking good, it man. It reminds me exactly of Animaniac. Mm-hmm. It is like, exactly there. If it was being made right now. Yep. Yeah. How about like that Trump the, Cyclops? The Trump Cyclops, <laughs> yeah. Was it in the first one or the... Because I only watched I the first, the first episode. or second one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they also had the the song about how like they were guessing what would happen because it was being animated in 2018. Oh, <laughs> dude. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it's fun. We've watched a couple more episodes of it, and I feel like it's really kept the spirit of the original pretty well, where it's yeah. like, yeah, it's just light, fun, slapstick stuff, but also some social commentary in there. Oh, yeah. Immediately trolling the trolls with the theme song. Like, Yeah, right? Yeah. I loved it. I Yeah, I, that's if you're an Animaniacs fan, watch it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely been enjoying that. That's on, was it Hulu, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because they even made the big thing. There's a mm-hmm. joke in there about them like making money off of Hulu and shit. Yeah, which is uh, that's exactly what I always loved about Animaniacs. Was like very self aware, self aware, meta, self referential and stuff. Yeah, it, just hilarious. Yeah, that's some good old stuff right there. So be sure to check that one out. You're gonna have a good time. But you know what, Steve? I've I've reached that point of the show. It seems like this oh, happens yeah? about every week, man. Like I start Ooh. the show off. I'm feeling strong. I've got a wet-ass palate, like my palate (laughs) is super moist. But now I'm feeling dap. Dap, dap, dap. i got a dry-ass palate, palate, man. Mm -hmm. There's something going on here. I feel like I'm kind of running out of steam already here on the show. Do you have anything around that I could maybe use to wet my palate? Well, it looks like right here i got a a modern times star metal double fruited berliner style vice ale with pineapple guava orange and hibiscus that sounds like it probably ought to do it how much alcohol has that got in there that's a 5.5 percenter bit it won't get you too fucked up i guess no no i, I mean i bet if you had a couple though you'd probably yeah, be that's feeling right. <laughs> that's right let's find yeah. out about this thing it's here. a this real came pretty color from... i already poured it out here and yeah. uh, it's got a real pretty color to it well, this thing looks like a delightful treat. It looks like a, a dang old grapefruit soda or something. It's yeah. just got a nice, lightly pink sort of color to it. Mm-hmm. That's Aerosmith's favorite color, him and them big old lips. He likes mm. that color pink. You know what that I'm saying? Aerosmith. I mm-hmm. love when people refer to the lead singer of the band as the name of the band. <laughs> oh, yeah. That Leonard Skinner, he's real redneck like me. Did you hear Nirvana killed himself? That's how I found <laughs> out that Kurt Cobain had committed suicide. Somebody Nirvana killed himself. Nirvana killed himself. <laughs> yep. That's a tasty beer, dude. Yeah. Boy, uh, fruity, just like you like. Uh-huh. That's just straight juice, baby. And uh, definitely moist. It's definitely moistening my palate. You can really taste the guava and stuff in there. Yeah, it's real real juicy-like. You've got good. some of that tartness, a little bit of pineapple acidity in there, but also all those wonderful tropical flavors and aromas. I'm pretty okay with this. Drinking this, I was thinking of St. Ides Tropical. I've never had that. St. Ides Tropical? Don't have it. Don't drink St. Ides. Don't do that. That's a thing? 
It was. I don't know if St. Ives is still around. I don't look at malt <laughs> liquor very often. <laughs> what's what's the matter with you? You sold out, dude. I did. I sold out. That's true. <laughs> I need to get back to my roots of Hurricane and OE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the real shit. Maybe one day on the show we'll just start rocking 40s, dude, where it's just like, you know what? <laughs> Maybe, you know what, that's what we'll do is like, whenever we're doing the show and it's like your 40th birthday, let's do a 40 for 40. Okay, yeah, I mean, as long as it's, oh fuck, I couldn't handle a malt liquor, because I'm just thinking of one right now, and it's like, that charcoal-y taste, like, (laughs) just not interesting. It already tastes like somebody put out a cigarette in it. (laughs) I'll just grab a quart of PBR or something and say it's a 40. Yeah, <laughs> still reserve. If you're gonna do it, still reserve is the best one. Oof. right? Oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess <laughs> if you have to. Yeah, forties <laughs> on some me. Lemonade in there, or something, right? <laughs> it couldn't hurt, man. It couldn't hurt. See, what I was but thinking this is, is, is not, this almost this is not bad. This is delicious. Just I was thinking it almost tastes like an adult version of a Capri Sun. Like, take a sip and yeah. imagine mm-hmm. a pouch. Of yeah, Capri yeah, yeah. Sun that done went and fermented like. Yeah. It's like somebody put some yeast in a Capri Sun and just let it go wild. <laughs> Somebody's trying to get uh, preschoolers fucked up. Get that soccer team drunk. <laughs> Can you imagine? Okay. I mean, it wouldn't be funny to get kids it'd drunk. Be, oh, it'd be funny. But it'd, it'd be, be funny. funny as hell to watch. Because watching kids play soccer is already funny. Because, like, half of them have no idea what's happening and don't care. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. But you get them kids drunk, it's going to be hilarious. (laughs) I I like it. I think it's a really good idea. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a really tasty old beer. I am enjoying that very much. Yeah, that is really good. But you know what, Steve? We're entering into the holiday season here. As this airs, Thanksgiving will have have already passed on, and we're Mm -hmm. into the holidays, and I know... That people, whether they are staying in and preparing food for their loved ones, or they're unwisely going out and infecting their family with the pestilence, either way, they're going to be making a lot of foods and and drinks and stuff like this at home. And I think a lot of people are going to be making some bad decisions this year, Steve. I have a feeling there's going to be a bad food forecast. I know that I've had many a, a, a bad meal around the yeah. holidays at this time. Have you had some bad meals in your life, Steve? I've had some dry-ass turkey. I've Ooh, had dats, some... dats. Yeah, I've had <laughs> some lump-ass potatoes. Ooh, laps. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is goes back to Cardi and Megan. Is it all goes it. back. Yeah. It all goes back. Yeah, I've had some bad stuff. I mean, luckily growing up, I mostly had good food, but I have had some stuff where it's like, ooh, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. This is terrible. And you happen to come across oh, God. a treasure trove <sighs> of absolutely abominable recipes this the other day. You sent me this thing. my mind, Ben. Dude, I was seriously like trying to lay down and go to sleep, and I, I started <laughs> reading through these things, and it kept me up for a while because I was just imagining these these crimes against food that this yeah. person is committing. And mm-hmm. then the thing about this is, Steve, is whenever you showed me this list of just absolutely abhorrent recipes, I was like, this has to be a joke. Like, this is a meme. Mm. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. And then you start reading the comments, and it's Not all these joke. N- normal-ass people tagging other normal-ass people, being like, mm-mm, sounds so good. Think I will make this tonight for Bobby and the kids. Yep. 
And it's people that are not joking. Yeah, they are very, they are very much serious. 161,000 shares, Ben. Holy fuck. So some of you guys listening might have already heard about this thing. Yeah, yeah. So let's just step on into the preview palace, Ben. Welcome to the preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Thanks. Fuck yeah. It's not usually my job to do that, but when you I throw know. it on me, I like to spike that yeah. thing a little bit, you know? Yeah. I, <laughs> what are we going to do here? I want to talk about some of these recipes. I do, I'm not going to name names. Listen, I understand if you've got kids, man, sometimes a simple recipe that's just a few things you toss in a crock pot and turn it on and go do whatever. That's all you can do. I get it. It's not making be fun of you. Not making fun of you at all. So whatever. If you're sharing these recipes and you're like, you know, there's some good stuff in there. I actually did find a couple recipes where I was like, you know what? A couple tweaks. That's good. Maybe uh, a little modification here and yeah. there. Yeah, maybe these things could turn into something workable. But yeah. in the current state, <laughs> in the current here, state, mm, this is mm-mm-mm. this is a a crime against humanity. And you found this shared on the Facebook. <laughs> yeah, through a mutual so, friend. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of these recipes and maybe give you a, a couple tips on a, a little bit better, simpler, easier way to make something your family can eat that just is not been mayo chicken oh mayo chicken is this from the mayo clinic diet oh. is that what that is or is oh, that yeah, in reference that to just sense. mayonnaise <laughs> ben uh. one of the things about these recipes that is immediately infuriating is that there are no measurements on most of the recipes it's just Mm-mm. this this and this and put it together there you mayo go Have chicken fun. here is mayo mm-hmm. chicken breadcrumbs and dry ranch mix why why is this a thing so you mix you mix the mayo and the ranch together coat the chicken and then add the breadcrumbs (laughs) do you put this in a crock pot is this crock pot deal no this is a this is i picked an oven one first before we get into the crock pots okay this this is a baked chicken thing i'll tell you this Looking at this, I see how this might be okay. Maybe. Because mayo fries up pretty well. If uh, mm-hmm. if you uh, you know uh, want to make a real good uh, grilled cheese, you can put some mayo on your bread to fry mm-hmm. it up instead of yep, butter. Yep. It, great. That, that could work. Here's where I'm going to have a problem. You didn't season that chicken at all. No, the ranch is doing the heavy lifting here, Steve. It's all about the ranch. And that yeah, that ranch is is not going to penetrate the chicken. It's just going to sit on the outside of the chicken and get baked on the outside. And you got yeah, bland there's no ass acid chicken. in there. It's it's not a marinade. There's nothing right. in there that is marinating the chicken. It's a coating. Yes. So Ugh. here's what I'm going to recommend for you. This, just if you want to and this is basically looks like a baked breaded chicken first thing you need to do and i know everybody out there is so scared of chicken like cooking chicken seems to frighten especially boomers to death like, oh yeah they're like if you look at chicken you get salmonella and die <laughs> it's gonna happen yeah that's yeah. how it happens happened to my uncle yeah uh, first thing don't wash your chicken don't wash them yeah this is the thing that actually spreads salmonella just that's don't, true. Yeah. Yeah. Don't wash your chicken. 
take chicken, put it on paper towels, dry it off. Dab, 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 gonna dab that chicken. Yeah, I know what you're afraid of, and I know why you're baking it. It's gonna be pink in the middle. <gasps> Here's what you're gonna do. You just take, put it in between a couple paper towels, or even better, saran wrap, and you pound that thing down flat. That there. makes a big diff, yeah. There you go. Now you don't have to worry about pink. Now how do you bread it? Oh my god, how do you bread it? It sounds impossible. You can't, it can't be done. It's not possible, it Steve. It cannot be done. This is the simplest thing in the world. If you just want to simply pan fry chicken to bread it, you don't have to do anything but put flour on it. Just dip it in flour. It, it will stick to the chicken. Yeah. And then put it right there and adjust enough oil. Boom. You got a nice fried chicken. You want to bake it? You can do the exact same thing. You don't you have to do You can also season different. that flare too. You can put a little That's bit of That's exactly little bit of something what I in there. wanted mm-hmm. to get at. You, th- you season that chicken breast by, this is what you want to do. Add salt to the chicken breast. Really rub it in there. And then you oh, season yeah. season that breading so that you get some other flavors. But again, yeah. these, this is not much different than what you're already doing with this recipe that you have here. You could do the yeah. same thing. Bake it at 400 uh, pound it out it's not going to take as long you're going to get a much crisper bit of breading it's pretty simple it's going to work out all right for you dude and i'll tell you this man you know that i am one of those persons what is nearly religiously opposed to mayonnaise that is something that oh, repels yeah, that's me. right i love mayo i i that's not my problem here at all <laughs> it weakens me it saps my strength <laughs> the source of my powers leaves me Whenever I come into contact with a malnice. <laughs> but I will say this. Okay. And this sounds crazy because this sounds fucking disgusting. Some of the best chicken wings I've ever had. Okay. And you can do this with chicken wings. You can do it with chicken thighs. I've done it with chicken thighs. You can do this on a grill. You can do this in an oven or a broiler on a rack. Everybody's got one of those. Not a big deal. We do these in like our little toaster oven, mini oven kind of thing all the time. Dude... Our friends John and Aaron make some wings that they just call fish sauce wings. Uh huh. Picture in your mind, you got some chicken. Uh huh. You toss it in a bowl and coat those things with a mixture of mayonnaise. Uh huh. Fish sauce. Yeah. You know you don't want you you want to use you a good Thai or Vietnamese fish sauce, just something yeah. with not anchovy extract. That's a that's a secret about fish sauce. Don't use anything that says anchovy extract. Use something that has anchovy listed in the ingredients. Mm-hmm. So mayonnaise, fish sauce. You want just some sambal or some sriracha yeah, yeah, yeah. and a fuck ton of lime juice. Yeah. You marinate those things for a few hours. You grill them or, you know, broil them, uh, bake them, whatever you want to do on a rack. All of that, like mayonnaise and stuff like that, just kind of like sloughs off of it, really, and just seals it up to where it makes just an incredible juicy interior and crispy exterior all that funky, nasty fish sauce smell, it all cooks off and stuff, and you are left with one of the most enjoyable wings or thighs I guarantee you've ever had. Yeah, if you want to do that, great. You, it doesn't really take that much more time, honestly, than this abomination that you described known as yes. mal chicken. Yeah, yeah, I that actually sounds great, yeah. Dude, they're nuts, I'm telling you. And like, I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm eating these. This is like a lot of disgusting things. Then I ate it, and I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Give me more. Here's another one that I think could be salvaged, but reading it sounds so gross. 
Okay, you're making this for your family on on Christmas Eve this year. What are we having? <laughs> Catalina chicken, Ben. That doesn't sound bad. Catalina, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's like yeah. a European. So it's a taste of the mm. old country. Yes, yes, but no, that's not what it means. Uh, you're gonna <laughs> take chicken and add one cup of Catalina dressing. Oh, <laughs> which is also known as French dressing, I think. Right, it's Catalina that red stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, half a cup of peach preserves. Oh, dry so sugar. Onion, yeah, dry onion soup mix, and one and a half tablespoons of cornstarch. Now, what? okay, going to make goop. I mean, between all the sugar from the peaches and the yes. cornstarch, this yes. is definitely going to be some goop. It's going to be some goop, and you put this in a crock pot. Now, here's the oh. absolute end of any sort of flavor is putting chicken in a crock pot you are boiling it the crock pot dude okay steve let me just ask you this what is the proper use of a crock pot what do you use a crock pot to make make stock correct yeah it is a fucking countertop uh-huh. stock pot that is what a crock pot is good for yeah there are other legit uses that are similar basically basically you're trying to extract something over a long period of time dude i'll tell you what though man if i was like stranded on a desert island like that guy that we talked about in our newest patreon exclusive episode uh, all about the creep show animated series yeah, support us on patreon mm-hmm. where's the address what's it patreon.com what forward slash dead and lovely that's right support us there you'll know what i'm talking about (laughs) some organic promotion right yeah (laughs) if i was stranded on a desert island i would like to have a crock pot because the mysterious thing about crock pots is you can put anything into it come back two or three hours later and it's food and the pot will be full of liquid yeah. What's all the liquid coming from in a crock pot? Dude, well, I swear, you know, like, you could put a whole sleeve of saltine crackers in a crock pot, come back two hours later, and you'd have, like, four cups of water. What's yeah. it doing? Is it pulling it from the air? Well, What's all this crock pot liquid? It's all the steam that normally escapes being preserved by the, you know, convection. But it's not doing any kind of cool braising. It's just soaking in its own bath yeah. water. That's True. what a crock yeah. pot does. Yeah, that is exactly <laughs> it. It's, it, yeah, it, it's ruinous. Like, you cannot, <laughs> you cannot make a good chicken breast by boiling it. You, you're going against all logic there. Uh, here's, here's what I do think this is like fixable though, because what it looks like they're making here is a, a sort of uh, sweet onion type of uh, uh, glaze or something to add to yeah. their chicken. I get it. That makes sense. Yeah. Why not instead take the half cup pre- peach preserves, throw the Catalina dressing out the window. Toss it. Also, no dry onion soup mix. Here's what you're going to need. Use real onions if you can. But if you can't, a tablespoon of uh, of onion powder, fine. Sure. Add work. that to the peach preserves with some uh, chicken stock. Uh, get you a nice boil. Add your cornstarch. You got a good glaze there. Reduce that shit down a little yeah. bit, man. Yeah. Uh, and then I-, I would say that would probably go best with grilled chicken. But either way it goes, just uh, take your chicken, pound it out, as I said before, salt it a little bit, uh, pan sear it, then uh, toss your glaze on. I'm sure that would be delicious. That's got to be better, for sure, than it just sitting there swimming in its own 
yeah. fucking soup for a couple of hours, right? Yeah, and, and again, I understand if, you know, you have kids. Some shit is just, I cannot do that. But yeah, I, my assumption is a lot of people are just afraid of cooking, and that's why these sort of recipes are being shared so much. I think so. Ben, let me tell you a little bit about beefy bow ties. Well, that sound that sounds absolutely <laughs> vulgar. Is this a male exotic dancing club? Beefy bow ties. Beefy bow ties. Now, Ben, you, <laughs> you you've nailed it because looking at this, this looks like um, something they might serve at like a like a buffet at a, at a really strip bad strip club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so it is bow tie pasta. Fine. I like that. Beef, uh, you're not going to love this because this is ground beef. I know you're not a big fan of uh, like ground beefy things. Is that true? You know, I've gotten over that. I had that that really weird experience years ago where... Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> quick quick version of this story. Yeah. Let's I had this hyper-realistic, disgusting dream about ground beef that had centipedes in it. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I and, can see why that would fuck you up. <laughs> dude, it turned me off to ground beef for, like, probably, I think, two years. <laughs> like, it didn't matter what it was. A burger, a spaghetti, whatever. Like, I couldn't shake that imagery. The dream was so real. I had the centipedes and the beef in my hands. That's a sentence people don't get to say very often, by the way. <laughs> Limited amount of people have said that sentence. And most um, of them are evil. <laughs> yeah, or dead. Yeah, or dead. And, uh, I just couldn't shake that. But yes, I have recovered okay. from my, my ground beef aversion. All right, good. Yes. Good. Uh, so bow tie pasta, beef. It just says beef, but I'm assuming ground beef. Okay. Uh, salsa. Again, no measurement. One can cheddar cheese soup. Okay, the cans of soup. Here yep. it comes, man. It this comes. is like, this is the boomer special, dude. Uh-huh. If you're not making a recipe, uh, let, let me rephrase that. If you ain't making a recipe without cream of mushroom, <laughs> cream of broccoli, yeah. or cream of cheddar soup, you might not be a boomer. <laughs> For real. It's, Holy what fuck. Is it? Why? Goop. Why? It's just fucking mess. Ugh. It has no flavor. It's just it's liquid. Gross disgusting it's so easily replaceable too with much yes. better stuff like anyway and here's the thing steve i'll just put this out here too by the way mm-hmm. making your own cream of mushroom type soup yeah either to eat on its own with a crusty bread which is a fucking delight yeah or to use as an addition is not hard it's not hard and it's way better dude it's like you can buy pre-chopped fucking mushrooms you don't have to get mm-hmm. a knife out that some onion or shallot, some garlic, toss that into a stock uh, into a pot where you brown them up and stuff. Get a little bit of the the water out of them. You toss yourself in some butter, some cream, some stock. Delish. You've just made your own. Reduce it down, thicken it up. It doesn't take that long. That's one of those set it and forget it kind of things. You're gonna thank yourself. Reduce it down, thicken it up. Is that not a line Ooh. from WAP? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so. In the Reduce directions, <laughs> in the directions for beefy bow ties, the first direction. Oh God! Back to this. Yeah, is cook beef drain. All right, here's get rid of the fat. Get rid of that flavor, please. Yeah, here's something that I I remember from childhood. Oh the, yeah. But I do not know why our parents did it. What were they doing? They were like, oh, the flavor. Get rid of that. Let's yeah, please. toss that away. 
Just leave the dry, well-cooked beef crumbles behind for us for our meal. But I do, I do have. Um, I mean, you could improve this pretty easily with some simple uh, things like one: don't drain your beef. Uh, two: why is there salsa in there? <laughs> what are you Just, doing here? I seriously don't understand why people add salsa to so much stuff. Put salsa on after if you want it, but like, and also to just say salsa, there's so many different types of salsa with different like flavors. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But anyway, um, I could see this being good. Basically, you would take uh, the beef and uh, cook it up. uh, Take, I'd remove the beef. Oh, I, what I always do with ground beef, by the way, is I uh, form it into one big hamburger patty and I, I sear it on one side and then flip the whole thing over and sear it on the other side before breaking oh. it up. That way you get uh, a lot of texture differences. You get more yeah. like a nice crunch and then some of the nice like middle that's not as, as cooked. Um, I'd say that large surface area also helps you develop some some fond on the bottom yeah, of the pan. Exactly. Too, some real you, flavor. Exactly. You remove that, add in some onions and garlic, stir that Ooh. up. Uh, yeah, mushrooms, say, whatever you want. Yeah. yeah, add mushrooms, whatever, hit it with a little stock, then uh, finish it up with a little bit of cream and butter. If you got back. some booze to toss in there, some wine or something like that, that'll help fucking deglaze that pan real nice. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. All of that is going to make, and if you want to, I wouldn't add cheddar, but you could add cheese to that. Uh, add maybe some Parmesan. I'm yeah, telling that's, you. that's very common. A nice Gruyere. This is not yeah, all that hard to find. That could be good. And again, it's not much different than what is being sold here. It's just that what's being sold here is so gross. We're <laughs> like, talking like 15% more effort. This isn't yeah. like, well, first you got to acquire some truffles. Like, it's not like yeah. that. Let me ask you too. That recipe you're just talking about, did it involve... Pasta in a crock pot because that is a, no, a no. war crime in my book, dude. I've yeah, I can't tell you the amount of times I've I've been to like a church function when I was a kid or whatever, and somebody made a let's say a crock pot lasagna or a crock pot baked ziti. It's a crock mm-hmm. of shit. Is what it is, dude. Yeah. It's a crock of it's shit. It's disgusting because it's it's Ugh. just like mush. mush. It's just mush, yeah. dude. Overcooked pasta. Uh-huh. That's one of those things, man, that I, I cannot tolerate. I can't tolerate it. It's disgusting. Yeah, I can't do it. Even if, like, like I've had some mac and cheese before where it's, like, the the sauce. Oh, macaroni in a pot? Yeah. That's somewhat <laughs> ass pussy. Um, <laughs> the whole time. We're old, the only ones still yeah. talking about this song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I remember I, I had this macaroni that like the cheese sauce was so good, but the macaroni was overcooked to the point that it it like made me want to vomit because it felt like I was chewing on already chewed food. Oh, I get Ugh. it, man. Yeah. yeah. So gross. Ugh. All right, I'm gonna. I just want to finish with this one because I think this hits so many of the "do not do this" recipe flags. Okay, rotel a lot chicken. Of red flags. Okay, rotel. T- okay, now rotel can be used for good, and I'll even oh, sure. say, yeah. it can be used for good in the trashiest of ways, man. Yeah. I don't know if this is like a southern specific thing, or if this is something that's available, you know, countrywide. I'm sure you've been to a party, maybe a Christmas party or two in your time, that's had a Rotel sausage cheese dip, right? Oh, yeah. It's awesome. And, dude, I'm here to tell you, 
It's best when you make it with fucking Velveeta. Yeah, well, uh, get another American cheese. There are better American cheeses. Okay, all right. But, you know, it's just that sausage rotel. But do you cannot make it with better cheese. You can't, like, no, don't uh-uh. go buying a bunch of cheddar cheese or whatever. It mm. has to be American. Yeah, it has to be kind of bullshit, but that and yeah. just some spicy sausage in that rotel. Oh, my Ooh. goodness gracious. It's awesome. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Scooping up some tortilla yeah. chips. You're going to oh, have that, a good time. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, I'm not dissing on using certain products or whatever. There are some things that are like low class, white trash, whatever, that are fucking awesome and delicious, and you cannot replace with something better. Like there's no, mm-hmm. uh, there's no equivalent that is, is going to make it better. So like, I, yeah, I'm not dissing on that. Um, but Rotel chicken Ben, is chicken, egg noodles, Velveeta cheese, can of Rotel, can of cream of mushroom or cream of cheddar soup. Oh, you had to bring that shit into the conversation. Yeah. All right. Fine. Yeah. Come so, on, man. It's. I mean, one, no, like, other than one can, no idea how much of whatever you're supposed to use. <laughs> Just nah. toss shit in. Two. <laughs> how many chickens should I use? Flock. I just, I don't get this. What? Uh, I I mean, as we just said, the Rotel and Velveeta cheese thing is good, right? It, it's good. But Velveeta cheese and chicken, like, why are you even putting chicken in there? Mm-mm, like no. you can't you're not tasting it so you're just trying to throw some proteins together with other proteins you're putting it, matter in there is what you're doing yeah you're just like well this will be cement in my gut for a while like <laughs> i just can't imagine having to constantly eat like that or having to go out to eat to actually get a good meal like i'm telling you learn some simple like easy recipes start start there Try try to be a better cook. I'm telling you, it'll Dude, improve your life. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'll tell you this. If you want a cheesy noodle, if you're just in the mood, and I am frequently in the mood, to have something where I'm like, you know what I really want? Carbs plus mm-hmm. salty cheese. Yeah. That's that's a state all of us hit at some point. You can, you can, of course, dress that up with a protein like a chicken, any of the aforementioned chickens that we talked sure. about, whatever you want to do, or whatever meat or veggie of choice you want. Dude... I know that I know that over the past year or two, you've been really, uh, really light on the carbs and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But have you ever made a cacio e pepe at home? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, Dude. Yeah. Okay. It's amazing. Y'all, I'm talking about a recipe for the best, legit, original Roman mac and cheese that you've ever had. It's mm-hmm. the most popular pasta dish in Italy. Yeah. But somehow, like Americans don't really know about cacio e pepe. The ingredients are pasta. Parmesan cheese, fresh ground pepper. That's mm-hmm. literally it. And, yep. and pasta it's water. Easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, is that an ingredient? It's just what you were cooking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It is the most simple, elegant, delightful thing that you've mm-hmm. ever made. And it's easy as all fuck. And, and you yeah, can I mean, zhuzh it up so easy. Like, you can add a yeah. little bit of garlic and red pepper or whatever. Like, it's such a simple dish. Like, mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it's like if you got Parmesan, it's it's not really all that expensive or anything like that. You can well, use pre-grated. That's fine. You can grate fine, your own. Yeah. That's fine, too. Don't use that 
powder stuff. It doesn't really yeah, that's just cellulose. absorb well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's wood is what you're eating yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But with cacio e pepe, like the whole idea is that you're just combining Parmesan cheese with salty, you know, uh, starchy pasta water. Yeah. Like towards the end of your pasta cooking, you take a quantity of that pasta water, add it to a yeah. bunch of grated Parmesan cheese, mix it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like to just you know lightly toast my fresh ground pepper in a pan with yeah, some oil or something that's yeah, good. actually i don't use oil no i use a little bit of the pasta water to just kind of like saute mm-hmm. the the peppercorns in that too yeah there's no oil or butter added to it that's the crazy thing about it and it's insanely easy to make you just kind of mm-hmm. make like a, a paste it's almost like a like a ricotta cheese kind of paste out of the pasta water and the parmesan Toss your pasta in that. It's unbelievable. Add as much yeah. pepper as you want and dress it up if you want to. It's not hard at all, yeah. and it's cheap as fuck. It's very cheap. Is and you can if I mean right there. Uh, add, maybe you make a, a chicken breast, slice it up, put it on top. Boom. Yeah, or use leftovers self- from the night before his mayo chicken. There you go. Maybe <laughs> last night's mayo chicken you put on top of the scotchio e pepe you just learned how to make. So. Yeah, there there are better ways, and hopefully, I I really, I understand, like, that, you know, uh, my wife and I live uh, on a a pretty tight budget. I understand sometimes it feels like you can't get good ingredients and good food uh, on a budget. You absolutely can. You absolutely can find good stuff that vegetables end up costing way less than you think. So many things cost less than you think. They just aren't as simple. So it seems like the thing in the freezer section is going to save you money because it saves you some time somehow. But you can make it cheaper and you can make it better. Well, that's the thing is I think the, you know, widely popular American idea of quote unquote good eating is things like massive steaks and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that that, that's not cheap. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, well, expensive. yeah, that will cost you a lot. It's also not really all that good for you. No. Yeah. And yeah. you shouldn't be eating it all the time anyway. No. Don't, yeah. I. You got to limit that consumption. Yeah, definitely. Chicken is is uh, probably the cheapest protein you can buy. Uh, turkey as well. Ground turkey, very cheap. That's what I subsist on most of the time is chicken and ground turkey. Yeah, man, Just chicken fine. thighs. I'm telling you, chicken Ooh, thighs are love chicken thighs. Are the fucking thing, and that's and they're cheap, cheap too. Very uh-huh. cheap. Yeah. People haven't got wise to the thigh. Yet. Yeah. Some people just don't like dark meat at all. And they're stupid. It tastes better. <laughs> eat it. Eat it in the dark. If you don't like dark meat, eat it in the dark. You won't tell a fucking difference. You'll say, it's "Oh, true. this is the best chicken I've ever had." Yeah. Why is it so tender and flaky and delicious? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right. It's because it's fucking got fat and stuff on it that yep. tastes good and keeps it self-basted. <laughs> it's just better to eat that way. You know what, Steve? What's that? It's the Thanksgiving season, and around this time of year, mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. single year, I just get the urge to shine up the old giblets, if you know what I mean. I'm talking about cleaning up my downstairs. You know, before we know it, the Christmas season is going to be upon us, and I'll tell you what, I just can't wait to unwrap my package. Thankfully for us, there's all kinds of Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals from Manscaped. (gasps) It's a holiday miracle! Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Oh my lord, we're bringing technology to the sack! Ben, I know you are a a Manscaper yourself. I, I am as well. Uh, and Ben, I have had in the past some atrocious occurrences. 
oh, while Lord using a trimmer on my downstairs area. In Ooh. fact, I've had some bloody experiences. Oh, Lord of mercy. Nobody wants no part of that. No, no, you don't. And I know some of you out there thinking, it's a, it's a crazy old time. I don't even get out ever. Why do I need to manscape? Let me tell you this. When you look good, you feel good. Mm. And when your boys look good, boy, do they feel good. I'll tell you that. You're doggone right. You're doggone right, Steve. Just because you're in quarantine don't mean you don't need to be clean, y'all. But Steve, let me let you in on a little secret here, because I know we got a lot of listeners on the show here that are saying, but Ben, but Steve, I ain't got no balls of my own. I don't need this manscaping. Let me tell you what, ladies, this can be for you too, because I'm going to tell you what, you can get this thing and take advantage of using that up before somebody creates womanscaped and starts charging you three times as much for the same stuff. Y'all know how this works. Listen to me, dead and lovelies. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. What's in there? You get the lawnmower 3.0 for lawn mowing your nards area. It's skin safe. I used it. No tugs, no nicks. I enjoyed it. You can even create a little less mess by using that thing in the shower or getting one of those magic mat disposable shaving mats they got. Catch all that hair as it drops. And let's not forget about the crop preserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant. Do what? And moisturizer. This is amazing. You're putting deodorant on your armpits. Get some deodorant for your balls. What else are you going to get in that perfect package 3.0? Some anti-chafing performance boxer briefs. I don't know how they've done it. It's time to get this perfect package. 3.0. Get clean like Mean Jeans bald head. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DEAD20. That's D-E-A-D-2-0 at manscaped.com. So this holiday season, be sure to trim the tree and trim up your balls with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. And so will the people that love your balls. So, you know... It makes all the sense in the world that uh, we would talk about food before uh, an extremely gross movie. Speaking of which, Gremlins 2, the (laughs) subject of today's episode. Holy moly, Gremlins 2. Steve, this is the first time that I have ever seen this movie. This is the first time. Because, as I I have told on the show before, but I know that everybody's episode of Dead and Lovely might be the first episode, so bear with me, Dead and Lovely loyalists. As a kinder kid, during my child-child days, <laughs> this came out in, what, 1990, right? 90, yeah. So this was right at the time when I was bedridden on the couch with the chicken pox. Oh, man. I can clearly remember eating some chocolate chip ice cream while I was sitting there on the couch with a blanket over my lap, just, you know, really hamming it up, acting uh-huh. like these chicken pox were so bad, that way I could get maximum ice cream and couch time. It really wasn't that bad. Like, I don't remember the chicken pox being that bad. Was that, yeah, that, that bad for, for me, you? it was the same thing, just playing video games. And Yeah. It was like, yeah. I have bumps on me. They itch a little bit. I'll take yeah. a calamine bath every night. I remember sleeping a little bit more, but I think that was probably just because I was home. <laughs> yeah, for real, right? Like, I remember just being like, well, I, I, this is supposed to be bad. I get more Nintendo and TV time, so yep. <laughs> let's go with it. I might get them again one day. I don't know. It sounds pretty fun. Uh, it's less fun when you're an adult because <laughs> it comes fun. back as Way shingles. Way less fun. Yeah. <laughs> hard pass. Hard, yeah. hard, hard pass. 
So, uh, so whenever I was on the couch eating my my chocolate chip or chocolate ripple, actually, now that I think about it, it was a chocolate ripple Mayfield oh, ice okay. cream yeah. that my nana bought me. Uh, I was eating that, and the commercial for Gremlins Two would come on the television, and I couldn't get out of the room fast enough. I couldn't even make it to the TV to turn it off. I would just have to leave the fucking room because that commercial with these little gremlins and stuff on it scared the dog shit out of me. I'd never seen the original yeah. uh, by that point, too, because the original came out the year I was born. It came out in 84, right? Yeah. 84 is a massive year for movies. Yeah. And so when this movie came out six years later, uncharacteristically late for an 80s sequel, uh-huh. I had never seen any of these things before, so I would see those gremlins on the TV, and it would just freak me the fuck out. So I never watched this movie until two days ago. And it's the most normal movie you've ever seen, right? It's totally normal. It's a very normal movie. Not really a lot to mention here or talk about or anything that's strange about it. (laughs) When did you see it the first time, Steve? Oh, I saw it back in the day. I remember being excited about it. uh, B and D. Yeah, it uh, it was advertised heavily in comic books. It was, yeah. Dude, I would fucking skip over the pages that had the ads on it. (laughs) Like, glue them together, rip them out if I could. I don't want to look at them things. And I I remember, you know, we, my uh, cousins and I, we were always hanging out watching movies. We loved Gremlins uh, because, you know, Gizmo was cute. Like, that was uh, the thing. Gizmo was The baby Yoda of the day. Yeah, and it also had adventure. Like, that's, that is kind of interesting. Baby Yoda really is in some ways playing in the same field as gremlins because it's a a super cute little thing that has adventures with a guy who's trying to keep it safe there you go that's pretty (laughs) much it yeah but yeah we liked it and then gremlins too like saw the previews uh i was eight i guess whenever i probably nine by the time i saw it on vhs and uh we thought it was the funniest thing like we thought this movie was just hilarious. We loved all the different types of gremlins. It was just awesome. And Gizmo is even cuter in this one. So for real, like, yeah. It really hit with us in those days. That's what I was wondering about is, you know, considering that this movie came out so many years after the original. Yeah. And considering how different the tone of it is in a lot of ways than the first Gremlins movie. I was really wondering, like, if you saw this in real time, did it still hit well? Or was it just like, what the fuck is this thing? Well, I bet if you were an older kid when Gremlins came out, you probably were like, what the fuck is this when yeah. the second one came But, like, I was a teeny tiny when the first Gremlins came out and probably didn't see it until I was, like, six or seven. So it had only been a couple years. Um and yeah it was it was uh it was perfect for us i mean but that uh watching it again i get exactly why i loved it then and also see so much that i missed as a kid that was way over kids heads (laughs) (laughs) yeah i get that because this movie is massively self-aware and pop culture referential yes absolutely all over the map and there's tons and tons of shit going on in here and that's partially because i guess joe dante the director and writer of this movie got unbridled creative control to just do whatever he wanted to here right 
Yeah, that basically they had been wanting to make a Gremlins 2 sequel and have been trying to make it happen since the success of the first one. He wasn't Massive interested. Success, yeah. yeah, he wasn't interested in doing the movie. Uh, they, you know, came back to him again a little while later and he he said he would do it if he got full creative control and if they tripled the budget. Uh, Damn. And they did. So he got full creative control and a $50 million budget to do wow. whatever he want. And he has said that this this movie is probably the most reflective of his like his outlook and style. So like he, he was really the whole time wanting to make more of these like self-referential meta jokes and and i think one of the central things of this is uh the when business and art collide yeah he he definitely got to get paid a whole bunch of money to do whatever he wanted to kind of make fun of the company for letting him do it (laughs) That's kind of what I got out of it, too, right? Like, it really feels very much like, oh, you want me to make a sequel? Yeah, no. Six years later, oh, you still want me to do it? Give me all the money and everything I want to do. All right, here's your fucking sequel. <laughs> here's your fucking sequel. You want to sell merchandise? I'll sell some fucking merchandise. And oh, I'll, I'll give you as many of you for doing it. <laughs> characters as you want in this fucking feature. It really feels like it is, like, simultaneously a sequel to the movie and vision that he created and also, like a giant middle finger to the studio that created it while also making something that is marketable and merchandisable. Yes, absolutely. If this had had a lower budget by a little bit, it would have made money. Uh, Unfortunately, didn't do great at the box office because it got terrible reviews. Yeah. Uh, Which is unfortunate because it did well in video rentals. I know because everybody has seen it. Uh, and they couldn't have seen it in the theater. It doesn't yeah. seem like by the box office. Uh, everybody who grew up in that time has seen it. And I don't remember, like, until the Key and peel sketch about the writing process <laughs> of Gremlins 2, which if you haven't seen, look up Key and Peele, Gremlins 2, watch it. It's hilarious. Yes. Um, until that, I had never once in my life thought, Gremlins 2 is really fucking weird. I had always yeah. just thought, like, it's really funny. <laughs> And then going back and watching it as an adult and seeing, oh, this is real strange. What is going on here? And then also seeing it's still really funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's still really funny and it's really good. And I think that a lot of that funniness is sort of foreshadowed in the movie by the opening sequence that you get, which is like a, I don't know, how long is it? Maybe seven minute uh, Warner Brothers Looney Tunes skit no, right. right at the start of the flick. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we bought the movie on Amazon the other day and hit play on it and it started and it was just like, and now a cartoon. And I was like, what uh, is this? But yeah. it really does foreshadow how silly and cartoony yeah, um, and also reflective of that golden age of cinema and animation this movie is. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, it is hearkening back to a time when a cartoon would play before the the movie or whatever. And it's making you think, like, oh, is it is this a cartoon short before? Has it started? And, and but it's no, it's part of the movie. Yeah, it and it it, it does like uh, go along with Joe Dante's kind of embracing of anarchy type of feel that he went for in in the first Gremlins and in this one. Just 
really letting it go wild and letting it go loose uh yeah that first that first bit is and then like we get introduced you know back to uh the the guy at the the uh, in chinatown what is his name mr oh Wing. yeah mr Wing. the guy that owns the shop right yeah, yeah 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 gizmo's owner we we get to see him and we get introduced to the guy who's supposed to be our villain daniel clamp um and it it is I, you know, actually in the first of the movie it's the uh it's his like sidekick guy right forrester yeah comes well in yeah they the bring it, they bring in the tv and daniel clamp is talking to him oh he's on the it TV, yeah yeah, right? yeah yeah okay okay yeah and that that is all a little bit silly but it's also just like oh this is kind of the same tone of the first one just you know uh because the first one had like the the bank and everything it was a small town now we've moved to a big town and you know this guy's uh, store is trying to be bought out by these developers. So it's kind of a similar tone. I get it. Uh, no idea that it's going to end up where it ends up at, from the beginning. <laughs> like, he goes from this crazy cartoon to just regular kind of uh, grounded stuff. And then we get to see Billy and Kate. They now live in the big city. going Living to work in, in sin. Yeah. Not even married. Uh, this was always like a, this is like a, a thing that I remember a lot from the eighties and nineties, the premise that getting married costs a whole lot of money. <laughs> like it really doesn't. You don't have, no. like, that's your choice. Like yeah, you, you can have a giant ass wedding if you want to, yeah. but you actually don't have to. <laughs> yeah. You can just go get the license. Boom. You're married. Yeah. Good job. Um, yeah, but they, they basically they're w- both working here in Clamp Tower, Ben. Clamp Tower. Clamp. Hmm. 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 Now, it's obvious, I think, that they, you know, it seems like this uh, Daniel Clamp is obviously a Donald Trump jab. Absolutely. You watch the movie and you're like, boy, they must think a lot of Trump. <laughs> Yeah, he must be a sweet guy because it turns out in this movie that he's just kind of like, yeah, he's created this big machine that has all kinds yeah. of inner workings that he doesn't really even know anymore what's going on, but he seems he, like a likable enough guy, right? Yeah, he seems like a Willy Wonka type. It's a, yeah. just a little bit silly over the top. So originally in the script, it is supposed to be uh, like a, a take on Donald Trump and Ted Turner, and he was supposed to be just fully a villain. Uh, but John Glover came in and played it the way he played it, and they liked that, the idea that it would make it a bit more light and playful. So originally, just as a theme for every time we talk about a movie that has a Trump character in it, which is a ton of movies for some reason, uh, yeah. they're, they always are making fun of Trump every single time. <laughs> it's just in He's this case. the butt of many a joke, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> it just his whole life. He's been, how did he become president? Anyway, oh, no. uh, <laughs> so Daniel Clamp, yeah, was supposed to be a Trump type, but he does, yeah, he ends up being a bit more of this, like, you know, he's less of the villain uh, as his security guy, who's played by Robert uh, uh, Picardo. Uh, he he becomes more of the human villain, uh, though the the gremlins are our main villains, and then we also got uh, uh, what the. Uh, there's just so much going on in this movie. Gosh, it's hard to establish basically the story. But essentially, <laughs> yeah. Billy, Billy and Kate, and then there's also for some reason a science lab in this building, and they've <laughs> some 
like they were at the the building where mr wing lived whenever he died and caught gizmo it's all pretty like just it happened because it happened just yeah, go with it happened it. because it happened like we need to get gizmo to this building where they are uh and they put a little armband on him so that when billy finds him he could be like oh did mr wing die <laughs> because he's got his little morning armband but whatever yeah oh <laughs> it's I mean, it's not great, but it, it gets you there. It gets you to where it's going. Um, well, here's the thing, though, is like the way that, that Dante wrote this entire thing where Clamp is not only a real estate developing company, but also a TV network and genetics lab and blah, blah, blah. It, like a lot of the other things in this movie, uh, that concept was strangely prophetic, wasn't it? Because yeah. now when you look at like all the stuff that Disney owns, for example, yep. or all the stuff that Google owns, it's like yeah. this was before the age of those sort of like mega ultra corporations that own well, all kinds of things that aren't even related yeah. to the central hub of the corporation. He was really kind of looking into the future here in a lot yes. of ways and nailed it, actually. Yeah, I mean, it had, uh, it had already been sort of the wheels were turning the wheels were turning toward that and uh, network for instance uh, from 1976 definitely deals with the uh, way that corporations are all coming together and controlling the narrative and things like that but at that time i believe it's like uh, I believe uh, Howard Beale says 12 corporations control all of the news, and it's like, not anymore. It's far fewer than that. <laughs> yeah, way uh, less. Yeah, so, yeah, this is, like, in the middle area where it's like, yeah, there's still an, a, a number of corporations controlling everything, but it is headed toward it's all going to be one mega corporation. Uh, and, he, yeah, he's definitely looking at this corporate culture, uh, also looking at just New York real estate culture because it is a, a Trump character like his office I don't know if you noticed this he he looks down on the Empire State Building he is oh. above the clouds and you can hear a plane go by like that's how tall his <laughs> building is that. yeah yeah, it's Dude, like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff I didn't notice in this movie because there's, there's so, so much, much fucking stuff going it's on just all the every time. Every second of it, like there's so many jokes going on. It's so hard to to catch. But that that is, I think, exactly why we loved it as kids because you could rewatch it and it's, it was funny every single time. And again, we didn't catch most of the jokes honestly because we were kids. But like, right? It it's uh it definitely has like. It has a a story, but as I was just saying, you know, the setup's a little tenuous. The story's not the focus. The focus is these just different set pieces with the gremlins getting to show off Rick Baker's gremlins. Hell yeah. yeah. And they're great. They look so good. The special effects in this movie are absolutely insane. Like, Mm -hmm. they are so... Um, engrossing and enveloping in a lot of ways yeah. that you kind of stop even trying to figure out like how did they do that and you yeah. just kind of go with it. Yeah, uh, like the, I the think smart they're really gremlin, fantastic. When he's talking, it's like his face is so expressive, dude. It's just even like, like the way he enunciates words and stuff, the way his lips move and everything yeah. is crazy detailed. Yeah, it's amazing. I really, really enjoyed just 
all the different designs and you can tell that rick baker just went wild like they basically were just like you know whatever you want to do just yeah any sort well, of design well, that's ideas, apparently yeah. like why he signed on like they hit him up and he said no like he yeah. wasn't really interested in working on it and then he came back and he's like okay what if i can do anything i want it's, it's it yeah. really exactly the same thing that joe dante presented with the studio so he was like yeah i'll do it if i can do fucking anything i want to and you can tell in this that rick baker just had a field day with his crew of designing these yes. uh these gremlins and stuff with so much detail apparently the gremlins in this were twice as large as what they had in the original movie in the original movie they were about to scale of what you saw on screen but in this most of the scenes with the gremlins it's not gremlins interacting with humans it's just gremlins on their own uh-huh. and they're twice as big so they also put them on oversized sets so that they would still look small right the level of detail in these things is absolutely nuts dude like some of the best like practical effects of the 80s and character designs and armatures and robotics and stuff that i think i've seen i mean this is 90 but yeah Yeah, well i mean yeah it came out in 90 but it was made in 89 still 80s yeah yeah uh i think you're absolutely right on that because just like looking at it it seems like oh wow like this is a fully realized horror villain that is uh puppet and animatronics and it's actually scary yeah like it's really working like i'm really watching it and thinking like i I know as a kid it like grossed me out and freaked me out even though we loved the movie like the just the the level of detail with the gremlins really just stuck with me where it was like they seemed so real oh uh, yeah i i i think of course it it's good i think it still worked for kids because of how silly they are because like you got like the goofy ass one that's always laughing and stuff and then you got the kind of dumb one that's like he's named lenny after lenny from of mice and men mice uh, and men yeah, yeah yeah you got the edward g robinson looking one that always has a stogie uh you know the 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 giuseppe archimboldo veggie uh gremlin yeah. like what the hell just... that's one i didn't expect to see it's like the fruit face vegetable face yeah. one like what the fuck is he making an art joke in this movie yeah what the he fuck? was and it works too it's like if you know the the paintings you're just like ah just have the archimbaldo otherwise totally. it's like why is there a veggie gremlin <laughs> <laughs> he's predicting veggie tales dude way in the future <laughs> but yeah like all of the different ideas and I love that they also did the electricity gremlin, which uses some some like uh, other than practical effects to a, a good degree. Like the I, animation I, on that when he's like stuck in the yeah. phone and stuff is so cool. And I also it like is. too that the electro gremlin turned out to be a kind of linchpin of the whole story with the ending yeah. and stuff with him getting zapped, which apparently was not the original idea. The original idea for the ending is that they would pump concrete into the building and like encase them all in concrete but they were like way over budget and it was like yeah we can't really do that it'll cost too so much to do that shot made it yeah yeah so it's like well let's figure out something to do with this electro gremlin which i think ended up better because you kind of feel like that thing has been an, uh, a little thread you know through the whole movie yeah. and then he actually turns out to be a functional part of the story it's better that way actually i really like if this came out three four years later i think they would have ended with the electricity gremlin getting into the internet 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but you know, yeah, here's I, the thing about a lot of those, cool, a lot of those like weird, you know, mutant gremlins and stuff we're talking about. Other than like the gargoyle and the spider and stuff like that, a lot of them seem to be appealing to a much older generation. Yes. I mean, yeah. like you said, like you have the of mice and men duo in there. You yeah. have the uh, the one with the stogie and stuff. Like kids aren't getting that joke. Kids aren't getting the joke when it shows the the one gremlin that has had the acid thrown in his face <laughs> from the yeah. vile marked acid do not throw on face, which is just hilariously <laughs> Looney Tunes and awesome. Yeah, but dude, that it. scene later in the movie where he's playing Takata and Fugue. Uh-huh. And his organ playing is interrupted, which like why there's an organ there? Who even gives a fuck? It's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Who cares? But he's playing it, and you know, takes his mask off and scares the other gremlin off, and like walks towards the camera, and it's out of focus. Like that's a direct remake of the yeah. Phantom of the Opera yes. classic horror shot. Like yeah. frame by frame, even him going out of focus as he's coming towards the camera. Like the level of care they took to make these. Again, old school, golden age, Hollywood entertainment horror and just uh, entertainment jokes is crazy. And they had to have flown over the heads of all the six and 10 year old kids watching this in 1990, right? Definitely. But it also um, is reminiscent of the Warner Brothers cartoons that we were still watching in those days because we were seeing Warner Brothers cartoons from the 30s. That's like, true. We were seeing references to Edward G. Robinson without having any idea who Edward G. Robinson was. So t- some of it still works because it's referencing to cartoons. I think some of it probably was like we need to have some stuff for the adults. You know, if we're making this obviously like kid focused movie, we need to yeah. have some references the adults will get. Uh, but also, yeah, as you said, he... Dante is is referencing back a good bit to like the old generation of movies. He you know even has the the grandpa uh grandpa Fred character say like all the good horror movies were in black and white and like he he references as you, you know said all those things but also like say the Hulk Hogan part is a reference to uh William Castle's The Tingler. Oh. Yeah, so, like, even the parts that are like, what the fuck is happening? He's referencing times when he was younger, and he watched movies and was like, what the fuck is happening? So, like, he <laughs> he was bringing back some of the things, I think, maybe from his childhood that really were, like, hit with him. Because I, I didn't know about that with The Tingler, by the way. Uh, hmm. Yeah, the, break that down. So, the, the, the scene that we see in the movie is... The movie is playing, and Billy and Christopher Lee, uh, Dr. Catheter, are talking. Dr. Catheter is, like, saying, you know, you got to believe me or whatever. And then suddenly the film strip, like, breaks and melts. And it it, this, you know, uh, was something that the production company was worried about, like, worried about how it was going to... Not the production. Distribution company was worried about how it was going to read. So they actually, like put together an audience and showed them that bit and the audience got it like joe dante was like people will get it that the movie didn't actually get fucked up uh so the movie you know suddenly the reels fucked up but then you see shadows of the gremlins and they're doing like their shadow puppets or whatever and then you know a lady comes out and asks the guy like the usher to 
fix the movie or whatever. And then he comes in and asks Hulk Hogan to <laughs> fix it. And Hulk Hogan, you know, does a cuts a promo to the to the uh, gremlins and then the movie starts back. So in The Tingler, William Castle was really like known for doing gimmicks. And in fact, if you watch a lot of William Castle movies now, the it's just like campy and silly because the idea was to experience it in the theater. So the Tingler, they he in certain big theaters had set up this system that would uh, vibrate some of the seats. Oh, and, make that ass vibrate. All right. Yeah, yeah. And at a certain point in the Tingler, there's a movie in the movie segment, and then the uh, reel suddenly cuts. And uh, uh, a woman in the audience is supposed to scream. Uh, and then you see the tingler that has been talked about throughout. Like a shadow goes across the screen and then all the lights went out. And then you oh, hear wow. Vincent Price's voice saying uh, something similar to what Hulk says, except that they should scream and panic or whatever. Uh, and then the, the movie would come back on. So it's a real cool like trick, but you know, obviously it doesn't translate to home video. Um, but uh, so yeah, he's referencing back to that in this like really interesting meta way, but also adding this level of absurdity and ridiculousness by for some reason having Hulk Hogan in the audience watching the movie that the Gremlins put up instead of the movie they're supposed to be seeing. That's the one of the funniest bits to me is that the audience, like the Gremlins, have changed the movie to this like nudist film, and most of the audience is just watching it. <laughs> like they're just yeah. sitting there watching it. Dude, that's where this this movie gets just like ridiculously meta on top of meta. Where like you're like, okay, so the movie I'm watching is me watching Hulk Hogan and all these other people watch <laughs> yes. Gremlins too. <laughs> question mark like what am i watching right now the movie gremlins exists in this universe yeah that's another thing about this is confusing too is because leonard malton reviews gremlins in gremlins 2 yes so i think i this is now the perfect time then to try to orient this film in time and give you an idea that this in fact as silly and crazy as it is is a pretty normal movie for comedies in the late 80s, early 90s. And hmm. I'll, once I start naming some titles, you'll be like, oh, yeah. Okay. The film Spaceballs came out in 1987, Ben. Okay. Little little Mel Brooks. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mel, not Mel Brooks. No, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Yeah. Mel Brooks. That's what That's I said. The yeah. the very one. Uh, That's the one. You may remember, that just thinking about this cracked me up so much do you remember when they watch the movie Spaceballs in Spaceballs to figure out yeah. what's going on <laughs> it's like this super meta kind of thing going on in there it's so funny uh, and then like the when they uh catch them but it's their stunt doubles yeah the stunt doubles are so good man yeah I I, I just thinking about that movie it was like okay suddenly this movie makes a little more sense but you know, maybe Spaceballs is an outlier. Uh, Naked Gun came out in 1988. Okay, also very Again. self-referential, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the, these movies are spoofing 
other popular movies. Yeah. Okay, so at this point in the Friday the 13th storyline, Jason had taken Manhattan. So Dunn that's where it. we're at with uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, Freddy is uh, dream mastering at this point. So we're <laughs> already like into ridiculous numbers of sequels with silly, silly premises. Okay. Yeah. So this is starting to make more sense where you see this and it's yeah. way more ridiculous and over top than the original. It's like, well, so was every sequel or parody at that time. Yes. So... Those things kind of make sense. And then as well, this is basically kind of a sketch movie where it's just skipping to different sketches, which is similar to say like airplane uh, and things like that, which airplane came out in like 79, I think. Uh, so, So this type of humor had been kind of building up. I think it's building off of like, say Monty Python and things like that. You know, the, the silliness kind of started in uh in earnest going in american comedy so like i named all those none of those are extremely successful movies but they're movies that i remember really well from my childhood which looking at them and comparing it with this and say something like uhf which was also kind of a sketch movie uh and real silly like yeah when you you look at that you can see how like the late 80s early 90s everything was kind of silly like <laughs> like everything was getting a little ridiculous and absurdist and i think that has to do with one of the things that this movie deals with and it was the idea that we were approaching the future like the year 2000 was on the horizon yeah yeah it's like we're turning over a new decade we're entering the 90s yeah, it'll be the 2000s yeah. so it's like the the way that this movie deals with like technology and stuff and how like every this is you know there there were buildings built back in that day that had this sort of advanced technology but this is taking it a little bit further and kind of being like you know what will it be like to uh work in one of these businesses in the future with this constant surveillance and not being allowed to express yourself and stuff and all that basically this sort of dystopian vision of all of this technology and one of the things that like uh keeps running throughout is uh the joke of the revolving door and i think this is kind of like joe dante's best joke about this futurist sort of mindset of the late 80s early 90s is basically just like Every time they pass this revolving door, there's some fuck up, some problem with it. And then they just uh, like calmly open the door, manual door next to it and walk in or out. Like, huh? I didn't notice that. It was just like, we're overcomplicating the shit out of this stuff when there is an easier way. Yeah. So it it is like, it's, it's like this, the sort of mindset or the sort of outlook is like, yes, we're approaching a future, but don't complicate the already simple like some things don't need to be made more efficient we don't need cameras watching your employees at all times though that is exactly what we have these days you work at amazon you are under constant surveillance like this watching this was like oh what a hellscape and then remembering like that's the life of an amazon worker and it even says like when he fires the guy for smoking on the job 
he's he's gonna lose his health care. Like, it's just such a it's like such a prescient moment, but also a reminder that in 1990 that was still a gigantic fear everyone had to have. That if you lose your sure. health care, you're fucked. Yeah. Still very real. Yeah. More things change, more things change. Yeah, so uh, I, li- I like this, like, uh, outlook on futurism and outlook on the 90s and how, like, you know, th- yes, you know, you, you, you want your big boxy uh, suits and shit because you want everything to be new and different, but really it's just the same old stuff. It's the same old day. Let's make some funny, ridiculous, silly jokes. Yeah, no doubt, man. And I feel like it's also oddly prophetic in the way that it predicted, you know, where cable TV and stuff like that yes. was happening as well, where it's like, you know, the fact that this this movie has things that you would recognize in 1990 as ridiculous, like the archery channel. What, they're yeah. just going to show archery stuff all well, there day? there is a golf like, channel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, dude, I'm sure that at some point in satellite TV and stuff, there has been an archery channel. Oh, most likely. Uh, a, a channel for anything. I mean, now it's like, how many YouTube channels are there that is just one specific thing that you can uh, watch yeah. eternal content there, out of Come and on. that's the thing on youtube is if there's a channel that's one specific thing there are several channels that are that specific thing <laughs> absolutely yeah. so man and even like the fact that you know there was this woman on here that had a microwave cooking show like that was Good so ridiculous God. and it's like dude if that's a youtube channel right now like microwaving with mimi or whatever that has like two million subs at least i i think that's where he may he got it a little bit wrong though because i mean you know uh you and i probably both uh watch and sub to a ton of cooking shows on on youtube and i think youtube has only improved everyone's cooking like that's true and, and in fact, thinking back to like even the Food Network, like watching Food Network made me better at, at making totally. food. So, Dude, like, as a as a kid watching fucking yeah, Emerald and yeah, especially like uh-huh. Alton Brown Good Eats, like Alton yeah. Brown Good Eats and stuff has been such a huge influence on me and and all of my yeah creative output. I can't even overstate it. Yeah, yeah, the the food science stuff and yeah, all that was just really hit with. It. So, so so like he was a little bit wrong with that, but he was like exactly. Oh, and again, this is uh, this was not written by Joe Dante, though it is very much uh, changed by Joe Dante. It's written by Charlie Haas. Oh, so, uh, okay. I thought he wrote it too. I've already misspoke several times in this episode. Well, it's, I mean, the thing is that Dante made it all his own. <laughs> like a ton of stuff was changed from the the script, but also a ton of this stuff was already in the script. So Charlie Haas deserves his credit. But I mean, uh, I think exactly what you were saying, though, that like, this the way that cable became so ridiculous and they the guy mr wing even says it like you know he basically says it's for fools and like cable was becoming more widespread by 1990 like you know it it seemed to be a sort of thing like you have to start having cable otherwise how are you ever going to watch tv um and and then what how are you ever going to talk to anybody if you don't watch tv because that's all people were doing well, here's the thing about that. So that that is something that stuck out to me is early on in the movie, you do have Mr. Wing being like, cable is for fools. Yeah, watching TV is for fools, basically. Uh-huh. But then at the end of the day, it is Gizmo watching Rambo on TV yeah. that gives him the skills he needs to, you know, uh, beat Mohawk, I think he's called. He's not, he's not Stripe. Yeah, he's Mohawk. Yeah, he looks movie. like Stripe, but he, he's a different guy, yeah. 
Yeah, and like that's one of those things where I was like, I don't know if that is a message they're trying to develop in here because I also remember during the dawn of the internet and things like instant messenger and <laughs> chat rooms and yeah. forums and message boards of that being one of those things that the older generation, just like Mr. Wing, was just like, what's the matter? You can't call somebody? What do you want to spend your whole life looking at a screen for? Yeah. It's just like, well, that's what the world revolves around now. So it's, you were it's real, wrong, actually. Yeah, it's real funny what, like, because it's each generation. Because, like, uh, m- millennials are going to have kids and the, their kids are going to be doing, like I don't know, like, fart transfers or whatever. And it'll be like, <laughs> well, you can't just text. Uh, and, and it's like, <laughs> Hang on, guys. My, my friend just sent me a fart here. Let's check yeah. it out. Oh, that one stinks. Yeah, like... <laughs> I you know whatever it is it's always the the old generation is you know poo-pooing it and the younger generation makes something of it and then thinks it's the be all end all and then the next generation comes up with something new and now the young generation is like no fuck that, that's not cool you should do the thing yeah. we do Totally man I'm seeing like in in the generation of you know our generation having children, I think like carrier pigeons are going to be like a really big thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, yeah. you're tweeting? <laughs> Where's your pigeon, dude? <laughs> it's like the uber hipster. He's got like smoke four- signals. Yeah. He's making smoke signals and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> I think it's going to happen, man. But yeah, this movie kind of like, I don't know if it did it on purpose where it was showing, like you said, the the older generation kind of shitting on the up-and-coming thing that was actually really important and really useful. Yeah. I don't know if it meant to do that or if it just accidentally happened, but there's so many things in this movie that feel that way where it's just like, was it really prophetic or did it just accidentally happen because the future favors ridiculousness? Right. Yeah. I I think, yeah, the movie does have like a central tension of like, is new better and sometimes the movie seems to say it is and sometimes it isn't like mr wing uh being bought out or well dying and losing his his property to these developers is actually like not shown as a positive thing and then seeing the the building the building is the butt of jokes because it's new and and all these things aren't working right but it is also saying, like, well, there is some value to the new. So, yeah, there, there's a cool, interesting bit going on there where Dante is I, I probably just making fun of people his own age at the time, where it's just like, yeah, we think we, like, nailed it with everything, but of course the younger generation is going to come up with stuff that's better and some stuff that's worse. Well, that's the thing. I don't, I don't know what year Dante was born, but 54. I'm sure he was... 54? Yeah, so he was like 44, 45 when they made this. Yeah, so I'm sure that he was born at an age where, oh, wait, you no, know... Oh, 34. So, yeah, he's pretty Whoa, young. Whoa, 34. Yeah, Damn. 54. Okay, so yeah. he was definitely around at such an age that whenever TV started becoming a fixture in everybody's home, his parents were probably like, what, you can't read a book yeah, anymore? Exactly. Yeah. What do so, you need to see a movie for? Yeah, and, and this is also uh, after the rise of uh, the rental market, too. So mm. people are renting movies. Like, you know, I remember it, it was an every night thing for some families. Just you rent a movie. That's what you do each night. You're in a movie and you watch it. Uh, so like, the, yeah, there, there'd already been the move past movies and people being like, well, you can't really appreciate the full scope of the movie at home. And it's like, yeah, but it's still, I'm watching it. I still see the movie. Like 
I'm getting it. Like, I understand the theaters better, but I get to watch it. So Yeah, like, totally. Well, it's like yeah. I'm listening to recorded music. I'm not at a show. Right. I still get to enjoy <laughs> the songs. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing about the, the cable TV in this that I thought was really interesting, too, and again, also based on reality, is that, that clamp... Uh, clamp cable TV networks end of the world tape that they air on this, <laughs> which is, which is amazing and I hilarious. And then you find out it's because there's apparently a leaked bit of information from somebody that worked for, I can't remember if it was CBS or CNN, but one of these like major networks has apparently, or had at this time, a end of the world tape that yeah. they would air in case of nuclear cataclysm mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck was destroying everything. Yeah. I so desperately want to fucking see that tape <laughs> that existed in the late eighties of a cable network signing off and saying, well guys, it's been fun. I want to fucking see that thing. I mean, just the cynicism, like that's what this movie is really like. I think, getting at and like making fun of at its root is the level of cynicism that comes along with these optimized corporations that seek to uh maximize efficiency while lowering wages and things like that like the way in which this just like is so cynical to the point of having a tape to play at the end of the world so that anybody that might survive still has positive associations with your business and maybe you with could still network. make money. Yeah. Right. And it also indicates that during the end of the world, you'd still be glued to the TV. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that is true, honestly. Like, wouldn't it be? I, well, now it would be your phone. But, like, yeah. in the 80s, 90s, yeah, that's exactly what it would be. You'd be watching the TV trying to figure out what's going on because otherwise you don't know what's going on. Let's talk about that art slash business connection that is mentioned in this movie. <laughs> uh, I think during their, their, their dinner I scene. I love that. While they're eating at the Canadian. Yeah, the, can, the Canadian restaurant. And yeah. also she's playing a bit of footy with them under the uh-huh. table there. I feel like that was a thing that was in movies a lot more than it used to be. I feel like people aren't feet fucking as much as they used to yeah, in let's, public. Let's, uh, you know, let's bring it back. Why not? Let's not. I mean, oh, honestly, no? okay. if, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm at a fine restaurant paying for a meal and I'm seeing some guy getting jacked off by somebody's foot under a table, right. I'm going to be like, check, please. <laughs> oh, okay. So bad for business, you're saying. I got Bad it. for okay. business. I'm just saying it's not going to help me enjoy a succulent meal. Yeah. Now, while they're, yeah, they're sitting in that uh, authentic Canadian restaurant. Uh, <laughs> With everyone, Molson's and yep. chocolate mousse, literally mm-hmm. a mousse. Everyone dressed in authentic Canadian garb. Etc. Mounties. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what's her name? Marla, the the redhead. She says to to Billy, when art and business join forces, anything can happen. And this that is sums up this fucking movie, doesn't it? That is this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the sum of this movie. But it's also like a joke of this movie. Like the movie. The movie shows the two different, like, by being what it is, it shows what can happen when you give complete creative control to the artist. Like, yeah, in the name of making money. That's the thing yeah. is, like, not only did you give complete creative control to the artist, Joe Dante, but it was in the name of 
capitalism, which of yeah. course is a gigantic theme in the first movie. Listen to our Gremlins episode that we did a couple of years ago because that movie has extensive, extensive metaphors about mm-hmm. capitalism and uh, all that stuff. And we talk in depth about it in the episode. And I feel like this movie really takes a helm on that where it's like he, he made this huge statement on capitalism with the first movie. And then he was approached with one of the most capitalistic concepts where it's just like, hey, could you make your art again? It made good money. Uh huh. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'll fucking make it again. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> I'll make the uh, shit out of it. That's exactly it. Like, this is, it's so excessive and crazy and wild because it's like Joe Dante getting to say what he wants to say. Just like, this is stupid. The, we don't need a sequel. If we're going to do a sequel, then let's go as over the top as possible. You want me to sell merchandise? I'll sell it within the movie. I'll sell the first movie within the movie. I'll sell all of it. And I'm going to be making fun of you the whole time. And it's also going to never feel mean spirited. It's always going to feel light and playful. It's like the lightest, most playful, fuck you for letting me do this movie yeah. <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. It's it's great. I and I, yeah, that line really just like sort of sums it up. Like anything can happen, absolutely. And this movie like shows you what happens when anything can happen. And it's like not necessarily a negative. Like the the I don't think the the movie is saying like this artistic excess is bad. I think it's saying like it's funny and silly and ridiculous. Like you, you can you can let artists off the chain and it can be like still a good product. But unfortunately, it didn't do well in the box office, so it didn't prove the point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or maybe it proved exactly his point. I don't right? know. Honestly, maybe. <laughs> I, I heard him say in an interview. This is totally paraphrasing, but he was just like, "Yeah, I basically put so much." into Gremlins 2 as to ensure that there would never be a Gremlins 3. And he's wrong, because Chris Columbus has been working on Gremlins 3 for a while. Uh, and he actually, I think, has a pretty good idea. He, yeah? From what I've, I've read, the idea basically is uh, that since Gizmo is the source of all these Gremlins, wouldn't the government want to get rid of Gizmo? Okay, yeah. Or at least experiment on him or something. So that would be basically where they would go. And he has said, you know, if if it gets up on its legs and they end up getting to do it, it will be all practical effect. So that's one way you could maybe do it. Uh, but hmm. I, I would wonder, like, you know, if you could capture what you got in the first two because like it just seems to me it would just probably be some slightly darker grimmer version of gremlins and not really as fun and silly right but it may be Hmm. i mean chris columbus wrote the first one maybe he could nail it again yeah it could be if somebody was going to it would probably be him huh yeah yeah so I, but I think you're right. I think that's exactly what this does is it closes off uh, any need for any future sequels because it's just like this is as, like, as silly as it's going to get. What else can you possibly do yeah. with these characters after they've had a Broadway <laughs> song and dance musical? <laughs> yeah. I loved Dude, that. the musical. It was awesome. And then, like the, when Lady Grimlina 
like with the little flip cards that make her face and then she comes out oh my god amazing it's just Wait, which again is classic hollywood shit too like that yes. stuff that that 10 year olds in the audience are not getting no but they think it's funny because it feels like looney tunes yeah because it's just so off the wall and silly and why is this happening yeah it, it just works perfectly i think as a comedy and I, you know re i rewatched the key and peel skit because watching that i had assumed like oh is gremlins too like bad because I always remember loving it, but rewatching it, it's like, oh no, it's not bad. It's just, it is so over the top and like crazy to imagine how this came to be. Like how they were sitting around and they're like, yeah, and then we'll have like a vegetable gremlin and he'll show up in yeah. the salad bar. Salad bar? <laughs> yeah, there's a salad bar in this building, I guess. I thought this building was a genetics lab. Oh, it's got genetics labs. Also got a mall. There's a Spencer's Gifts, uh, you know. <laughs> Any of There's a frozen things. yogurt place sure, where people yeah. are like, are these peanut butter cups organic? I love that. I love <laughs> Dude, that's that. another thing, too, that, that is just so self-aware and funny about this is like, I remember a time when I was a kid that people thought that frozen yogurt was like healthy. Yeah, that's exactly the joke is like, because like frozen yogurt had as much sugar as ice cream, but less fat. It, uh, that actually goes back to what we were saying in the preview palace about people draining their beef fat. I'm assuming that's it. In the yeah. 80s, fat was, like, the worst thing. That was the culprit, right? Yeah, because the corn lobby paid a whole lot of money to make sure that high fructose corn syrup was not the demon. Uh, oh, but yeah, yeah. It's sugar. Sugar was the problem. Uh, but, yeah, the, it's like she had and all the stuff she's saying, because he's like, I know it's pesticide free, and she's like, well, are the uh, peanuts roasted? Because in countries where people live the longest, they don't roast their peanuts. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it, it's like the begin. It's like back in the day when they would have like these things in the Inquirer. Like the Inquirer would be right. the place you would go to get insane like food opinions, where it was like no idea where they came up with this shit. Uh, but now that, that person is just your average person on the internet, right? Totally. <laughs> like, yep. I, I heard that unroasted peanuts, so make you live for 120 years. I read a study. Well, I read the, <laughs> I read the headline of an article about a study. Yeah. That somebody shared on Facebook mm -hmm. and I didn't even click the link or know where it's from, right. but it's probably legit. Cause it sounds like something I would like to happen. Exactly. So. Yeah. So we I'll tell you what, much. though, man, <laughs> with all of this self-awareness and stuff like that, I sure am glad that this movie fixed the problem with the Asian racism that was uh, a trouble of the first boy, movie, right? It did not. It brought oh, in... It, oh, it didn't? No, they brought in... Uh, uh, I don't know how to say his first name. Ged Watanabe? Um, who played Long Duck Dong in Sixteen Candles, which Dude, is... this uh, poor fucking guy. Yeah. Have you just thought about his entire arc of his life where he has just been cast as fucking Asian stereotypes Yeah, but he did forever. Get to, he did get to play Ling in Mulan. He, like, though Mulan is full of Asian stereotypes, it was the first time at least they tried to treat uh, Asian culture as something more than just a stereotype. So he was in yeah. that. Like, but... Yeah, he's unfortunately just had to play guy with a camera a lot. Like, 
Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. Because he's he, like, do I know how to work a camera? I, I am, am a camera. A ca- okay. Me Asian. Like, I, God, dude. That's I not really, Asian well at all. Yeah, I really need someone to explain to me the Asian camera stereotype. Was it just that good cameras came from Asia, so they assumed everyone in Asia loved cameras? I don't know, because the way I see it now is everybody's fucking taking pictures all the fucking time now with their phones. Like, they were just doing more photography back then, and that was somehow lame or nerdy or something? Uh, Yeah, I just don't get it. Uh, Yeah, so that that falls terribly flat. Um, I, I don't know. Are there any other things that just don't work anymore? I mean... There's some mimes in here. I don't understand what oh, that's about. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, I'm so glad you said <laughs> the that. mime. I didn't get this. There's like a scene in here where just sort of randomly, there's some mimes that are getting hauled out of the back of like a police a paddy, like, wagon? paddy wagon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah What's they're being going arrested and I guess taken into that building. Okay. I, do, I don't know exactly what's going on there except uh, people hate mimes and mimes used to do street performance in new york i guess i don't know fuck but what, mimes what Put me really? on that <laughs> <laughs> so the the real moment that shined for me though is the third mime that comes out is a black guy and instead of his face painted white it's painted black I did not notice this. And he flips off the camera. What? Yeah, so I don't think he thought it was a funny joke. Uh, and it certainly doesn't... Like, what a does black that guy, mean? Yeah, that's exactly it. What does that mean? What does... he Like, his flipping off the camera, I don't think he was directed to do it. <laughs> I think he was... I did fl- not notice this. Yeah, because it's a quick flash. He also does it... He does it twice. And I think he was doing it to, like, make it look natural. He does it the first time, and it's before he gets to the camera, and he does it the second time. It's just, like, straight up flipping off the camera. Um, I I don't know if uh, that was meant to occur or if it was him being like, uh, so blackface, huh? That's... Fuck this. That's the joke. Uh, Dude. Dude. I, I wonder I, that's about all that I, now. I, I want to watch that again now. Yeah, that's all I can get. And all the, after that, a, a black woman comes out in blackface who does not flip off the camera, which is what makes me think the first person was like, fuck you. <laughs> wow, dude. So yeah, Holy there are a moly, I can't believe I didn't catch that. Yeah, a couple moments that definitely have not aged well. One, though, that I think serves as probably one of the best jokes referencing back to the first one is when Phoebe Cates starts talking about Lincoln's birthday, I think. <laughs> She's got a horror story to go with every Any holiday, holiday, it She's... seems like. And like a monologue just on deck, ready to go with it. And also, like, this gets really fucking dark. I mean, obviously her Christmas story from the first one is way irrationally dark yeah. in that movie. But in this one, it kind of sounds like, Maybe she's hinting that she got molested on yeah. Lincoln's birthday? Is real strange. What? Yeah. But it, it also, like, has such perfect timing. Like, she's telling it, and then Zach Galligan just comes in. All right, honey. Okay. <laughs> they just yeah, start walking like, uh, okay. off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a perfect joke on the first movie. I, I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, it's like it makes fun of itself for being a sequel. It makes fun of the first movie. It makes fun of you sitting in the theater yeah. watching this shit. It's just like <laughs> it's kind of no holds barred yeah. in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah. I yeah, I I just I love that bit of it. I do. I wish the racist bits weren't in there uh for it to to hold up a bit better. I was Yeah. You know, uh happy to see that the um the gremlin who drinks the I guess woman jeans. I don't know whatever <laughs> that was uh, or why it is they drink things and turn into those things, but uh I'm glad that wasn't treated as like a, a like a, a transgender joke or anything like that. It was just like, oh, okay, now we have a female gremlin. That's it. Yeah. Like, and she wants to fuck that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he seems kind of down with it he too does at the end of the, the movie, end, I guess. Like, All right, I guess. <laughs> All right, maybe we'll give this a try. <laughs> Which sure does seem that way. Did lead me to think the most disgusting thought, perhaps. If he comes on her. <laughs> Oh, okay. Is she getting wet? It's a good point. And in which case, there's more of them. Also, it would have been so funny if at the end, when he seems kind of interested, if suddenly just saw a bunch of gremlins drop out from under her because she got wet. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay, I get it. This works too. (laughs) Ain't no safe sex in the gremlin world, Steve. Ain't no safe sex. That's great. Oh man, yeah. that's fucking wild, dude. Huh? I hadn't really thought about that, but mm-hmm. yeah, I guess you are. That's another thing too. Is like the gremlin mythos. They even make fun of that yeah. with those oh, guys, yeah. dude. They have the conversation that I remember having with you when yep. we did Gremlins a couple of years ago. It was like, well, what if he has something stuck in his teeth? Mm-hmm. Does or that what still if he count as a time zone? Or yeah, yeah. Like, does that count as eating after midnight? Like they have that conversation in this movie. The yeah. fact that okay. Like we think about us getting on the internet and having a podcast or posting a message boards or whatever and sharing these stupid thoughts about movies, like that's something new. Right. And it's like this movie showed you, it's like in nineteen ninety, it's like, yeah, we were well aware, even without the internet, people were critiquing the the rules yeah. of gremlins, even without the internet or whatever, and here we are referencing them. Yeah. Yeah, and then like really actually not trying to do backflips to make it make sense. Just going along with the joke, like yeah, yeah it that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, it actually made me think about the rules a little bit more, and I don't think we talked about this in the first one. I get the water and the 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 not eating after midnight because those have very like dire consequences. However, bright light, they just don't like it. Seems that way. But also, you know, just kind of like the uh, the water thing, the first one, Gizmo goes out walking in the snow in that one part, no big deal. Yeah. Gizmo, like, walks in broad daylight in this one. Yeah. No problem either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because, like, with, if they turn into gremlins, bright light kills them. But if they're mogwais, they just don't like it. Like, why is that one of the rules? So. Like, just, uh, like, say, oh, two rules. Oh, and by the way, he's not a big fan of bright lights. Like, so... Yeah. You know, Gizmo in this one, I thought had a smaller role than I was anticipating, considering he, he was such a big He's part of the original. He's mostly just getting tortured. Yeah, which kind of continues with the theme from the first one, since they fucking hated yeah. the Gizmo animatronic and stuff uh-huh. so much, they came up with the dartboard thing for him and all that <laughs> stuff. 
kind of continues with that. Like, yeah, Gizmo is in here being like a little cute. He has his little dance to that rock and roll Aww. song and stuff. And the twins are dancing behind him. That's an adorable oh, you mean moment. The fucking guards from Terminator Two. Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah, or the twins from Erie, Indiana. Oh shit! Yeah, that's yeah. right. Th- mm-hmm. Those are the ambulance driver guys, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that scene because it's like both the uh, Gizmo is adorable, the twins are adorable, and then Christopher Lee is trying his best to Christopher just be, Lee, fucking Christopher Lee, trying his best to just be like whatever, but he's also being adorable himself. Like Dude. it's just a really cute moment. <laughs> the fact that Christopher Lee is in this movie, yeah, with another guy playing yeah. Dracula, and they yep. never make a joke about it. I don't know if that's maybe funnier than them making a joke about it. <laughs> you know, they there is a deleted scene, not not involving him and the guy dressed as Dracula, but involving him and the Bat Gremlin, where he like okay. makes some comments about the transformation or whatever that are kind of like a hint back to Dracula. But yeah, All right. yeah. The fact that they never, yes, you're right. Like it's hilarious, um, and, and probably why they cut that other bit that it's funnier to have Christopher Lee and it. not acknowledge it. And by the way, his his name, his name in the script is Doctor Cushing Catheter. So he's named after Peter Cushing, who dude. Uh, <laughs> It's just like, uh, like there's so many jokes throughout that are just ridiculous. Um, well, and even a, a catheter being something that you could use to like let blood or <laughs> right bodily good, fluids. Good right. Point. I didn't even think about that either. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like the the Christopher Lee bits. He, he the man. This is one number one hundred and sixty eight of his like two hundred and twenty something film credits jesus and the man is in a silly fucking movie working with an animatronic puppet and these animatronic gremlins and he's still just professional as fuck and the best yeah the fucking best dude we'll be talking about him again yes soon, we will we? yeah fuck yeah dude christopher lee is the shit yeah that guy him. i mean see you at the motherfucking crossroads <laughs> you won't be lonely because no, i'll be sir. bugging you asking about all the cool shit you do yeah. in your life man don't ask him his world war ii stories though Ooh. i hear those Ooh. are brutal <laughs> probably pretty fucking grisly yeah. man and i'll tell you what i don't know if it gets much cooler than a movie that has christopher lee and Slayer in it because yes. this has fucking Slayer, <laughs> yes, Angel of Death in the soundtrack. Whenever it shows the, uh, it's the Spider Gremlin, yeah. right? Like transforming his stuff. He transforms right when the song has that break when it goes to the super chaotic guitar solo, right when he transforms. And it's one of the best, like, timings of a licensed piece of music I've ever heard because yeah. it's on, like, the most ultimate metal riff ever that's in that song. It's fucking baddest riff ever. And then right when he transforms is when it goes to the guitar solo. It's perfect. I was yes. like, holy fuck, Slayer. And then he transforms right at that scene. It, it delighted me so much. But there's also a ton of other great soundtrack stuff in this. Yeah, Faith No More on there. Uh, you got Jeff some, Beck. Uh-huh, some Fats Domino. I'm mm-hmm. ready. That's from the dance scene, yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of Jeff Beck, this is a guy that I think a lot of guitar players know about, but a lot of your average music listeners don't know about Jeff Beck. He's one of the greatest guitar players that's ever lived. He was in the Yardbirds. The Yardbirds, of course, being ah, the band okay, yeah. that was the platform that launched 
other household names like Eric Clapton and, and Jimmy, Jimmy Page. Page. Yeah. And Jeff Beck also played guitar in that group, but was always just so self-obsessed with totally uncompromising music of his own that he never hit the pop stardom of either of those guys. I heard a song today that okay. featured a Jeff Beck guitar solo that I had no idea that that was him playing it. But then as soon as I listened to it, I was like, oh yeah, that's fucking Jeff Beck. My good buddy, Junkyard Joe, oh, hit me up the other day and he was like, man... Have you ever played that bass line in Private Dancer by Tina Turner? And I was like, no. And he's like, okay, for one, it's fucking awesome. For two, that song was written by Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits and features a guitar solo by Jeff Beck. And I was like, what in the fuck are you talking about? Dude, listen to Private Dancer again and imagine it as a Dire Straits song and you'll totally get it. And then it gets the guitar solo. Fucking Jeff Beck. Also, I really want to hear Mark Knopfler singing a song about being an exotic dancer. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I want that more than anything. Oh, man. Do you think it's Guitar so George played on it? He knows I all the chords. I think he might have. Yeah, he knows all of them. And this song features some unusual stuff. There's a uh, there's a flat six in there. I think there might be a flat seven in there. You have to know quite a lot of chords to play that tune. All Bridge right. is also really banging, too. So <laughs> Guitar George might have made an appearance on there, man. And, of course, you've also got like those callbacks to the original blam, 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 like Gremlins theme. I think it's yeah. badass, man. Yeah, I think Jerry it's so Goldsmith. Good. Jerry Goldsmith. The man. Yeah, absolutely the man. Makes an appearance in the movie. Uh, you may notice in the, the yogurt scene, the frozen yogurt scene, there's a guy mm-hmm. who's dressed like a composer. That's Jerry Goldsmith, dressed <laughs> like a composer. Yeah. Jerry Goldsmith. Dude, like, I know that John Williams is a household name. Yeah, but I know Jerry that, Goldsmith. You know, there's some other ones like Howard Shore and stuff like that yeah. that a lot of people know. But, yeah. dude, Jerry Goldsmith, he's he's dead now, right? Oh, he might have died. Let me get Fuzzbeat on that real quick. Yeah, get Fuzzbeat on that. Yes, get yeah, he actually John died Ledger. in 2004 at the age of 75. So it's been a wow. while. Yeah, man. But dude, Goldsmith, Goldsmith fucked. I'll tell you that for sure. Goldsmith definitely yeah, fucked. Absolutely. I mean, he did L.A. Confidential, which the Omen, uh, dude. The yeah. Omen. The man's great. Yeah, yeah, he was a, a king of kings, a lord of lords. <laughs> holy, holy, holy is his name. <laughs> <laughs> goldsmith 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 is his name <laughs> i yeah. mean it's in the name goldsmith he forges gold yeah, exactly. out of music notes come they on deep y'all fries it. Uh, yeah deep fried gold yeah. that's the case great soundtrack work in this it's never like ultra overbearing it is appropriately silly and wacky at times yeah. like the musical number and stuff it's stupid where it should be mm-hmm. and self-referential and out of the way when it should be i think the soundtrack in this is great yeah i agree i i uh, honestly like uh this is not the best movie you'll ever see it's no, not of course not no the story is weak i think and really oh, just dude. like especially like halfway through the movie you're just like is there happening? any plot moving yeah. forward or is it just <laughs> yeah. a bunch of gremlins doing silly shit but it's it's like that it's just such a wonderfully silly movie that like if you really look at it in the same way you look at uh say space balls or airplane or something like that 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 is what you're seeing is just gremlins playing out sketches and i mean i could see kids liking it today if if they haven't seen yeah. it 
I could see them liking it and, and enjoying it, uh, but I I understand if adults who have never seen this watch this and just are like, this is terrible. I get oh, that. Yeah. Well, here's the funny thing about that too, dude, is apparently Steven Spielberg was shown an early cut of the movie, like oh, the yeah. first draft of it, and uh-huh. his main critique was there's too many gremlins in it. So they actually <laughs> cut down the amount of scenes involving gremlins in Why? this. Why? Dude, and it's like, this movie is fucking 50% gremlins. Like, okay, it takes a while for him to show up. It's probably like 30, 40 minutes in that you first get to see him. But then that's all there is the rest of the movie. But apparently there was even more originally. I mean, that's... I get get it. It is an hour and 40. So, you know, maybe a little long. And I guess... A little bit long. I guess there's no element of the story story that it, it would be easy to cut. You could cut the Canadian restaurant scene, I think, and not miss much. You could just have her, yeah. like, kiss him in the hall or something to have that sort of storyline with uh, with um, Kate and uh, Marla going on in the background. But, mm-hmm. yeah, most of the story is just pretty light. There's not a ton. So I guess you would have to cut Gremlins content to get it down to an appropriate length. Because an hour 40 is a bit long, especially when it's just silliness. Over yeah, over it's over. a little long. I mean, it's like watching that long of, of Looney Tunes gets excessive. Yeah, for sure. So I get that, but I also like, I'd kind of like to see the full Gremlin cut. Yeah, no kidding, man. And I'd also love to like watch this again as a, you know, six-year-old kid and realize like, yes. okay, those things might have looked really scary on TV, but watch the movie. They're just basically like fucking... Yeah creepy looney tunes i think that i would have liked this so if you as a kid if i would have watched it if you could go back in time and you only got to say one thing that'd be it you'd be like yeah just give gremlins 2 a chance i'm out yeah give that a try (laughs) and then i would go back to the future and be like should have told him about apple stock oh boy well he Mm. didn't have any money he was a kid. Yeah, he could. Yeah, he could have got it anyway. So <laughs> that's yeah. something I think about. So because, like, I I very often have the "What if I had a time machine? What would I do with it?" sort of fantasies. And I've thought two about, chicks at the same time. Hell yeah, fucking party, man. <laughs> uh, uh, I always yeah, I've thought so many times like I can go back in time and tell myself about stocks, and it's like, well, what would I do with that information? That's true. Tell an adult, and then they'd make money off of it. Oh yeah, like that's they would listen happened. to a kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even I have if some they stock did listen, adult. <laughs> sure you do. Oh man, it's a fun movie. Like it it's. Uh, I feel like the messages aren't necessarily as as deep as the first nah, one, but that in light. itself makes sense for this being a sequel that is cl- clearly just being made to make money. Yeah. So. It's kind of like any shortcoming of this movie is in itself part of the gag in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, like, yeah, it is It is hard to, uh, it's hard to give it, like, a bad rating in any way because the movie, movie nails everything it's trying to do, I think. I and, think so. And, like, it's funny. I mean, it's, it actually, uh, I, at the time, some critics were were pretty cool with it, and some even said that they thought Gremlins Two was better than the first. So, wow, uh, it it's it's not outlandish to say this is is a, a good movie, but it 
it's not great in any of no, I mean, the it's, it's not like a piece of high art. It's not no. one that I'm gonna watch like all the time. Oh but no, it's just chaotic. I'll it, put it yeah. on as a background, dude. I bought it on Amazon. It was like twelve bucks or something oh, like yeah. that. And it's like it's totally one that I will just have on. Yeah. Next absolutely. time I'm shooting a guitar lesson video. Yeah. <laughs> so that I can just have it on and watch it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. So like if I if I'm rating this one, if I'm slapping a number on it. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say it's bad, but uh, it's not great. Uh, but it is a it's more entertaining than middle of the road for me. So I'd say it's like a maybe like a six, six and a half. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty fair rating. Uh, I would say a little bit higher for that for myself, just because there were so many times in this movie that I was just blown away that I was seeing what I was seeing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> stuff in the 90s that is this self-referential and self-aware. Yeah. I mean, the the fucking Hulk Hogan theater scene where it's like you have somebody <laughs> walking out. Okay, you're watching Gremlins 2. The film gets nuked, and you watch a person walk out of Gremlins 2, and then Hulk Hogan reinstate the action in Gremlins 2, which is the movie that you're watching them watch right yes. now. Like I just imagine it. him trying to it. to sell that and explain it to people that were on the board of investors in this, and them being like, "Okay, I think they definitely hit up a bunch of fucking fat rails before they pitched this movie for sure." The amount of cocaine that had to be present making this movie—I mean, dude—they had to be fucking skiing the devil's dandruff twenty-four-seven. Oh, definitely. And yeah, that's why yeah. I like it. I'm gonna say a little higher. I'm gonna I'm gonna go off of the even. Uh, you know, even easy to yeah. measure scores here just to make Absolutely. it more chaotic gremlin style. I'm going to say a 7.3. <laughs> Boom! 7.3 gremlin style, man. Tons Put of that fun. In your spreadsheet. And uh, <laughs> type it. And type it. Yep. Yeah. Put that in your sheet and type it. <laughs> I predict the movie that we're doing next week is going to be rated probably higher than this, I think. Probably a 10. And a half. <laughs> I'm just going to say it's probably, yeah, at least dimes, maybe quarters, 25 out of 10. Yeah. I'll try I'll try to be as harshly critical as I can of Tammy and the T-Rex, but boy. It's easy to love, I, Steve. Watching it the first easy time, to love. It's, I, I hated the first 10 minutes of it. I was like, what the fuck is this? And then the, they had a dick-grabbing fight, <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. This is going somewhere is different, genius? right? Yeah, because <laughs> this is. I predicted art. you being like, "This has been loving the wraith again." That was kind of what I was thinking in the yeah. first ten minutes. I was like, "Oh, it's just, it's just bad and silly." And then it's like, "Oh, this is uniquely bad and silly." <laughs> no, it's bad and it's silly as fuck, man. But dude, it's made with so much, yeah, attention to stupid detail. I do, yeah, I don't want to talk too much yeah, yeah, about yeah. it because I, I have so much I want to talk about with that movie. Yeah. So I'm excited. Me too. We'll be talking about that next time. Again, it's called Tammy and the T-Rex. You might see it on your, uh, you know, uh, Yo-Ho-Ho pirate streams as Tanny, Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. Teenage T-Rex. Yeah. That's the one you want because Tammy and the T Rex yeah. was released as I think a PG or PG thirteen movie. Yeah, it was released as a family comedy. Yeah, somehow. But you want the unrated one, which is <laughs> yes, you do. Right now on Showtime and Shutter labeled as and Shutter, Tammy yeah. and the T Rex, but the title screen it will say the better version. Tanny and the Teenage T Rex, even though in the movie her name is not Tanny. It 
blows well, my that mind. Depends on who's speaking. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes it's a little <laughs> indefinite, isn't it? Yeah. So who knows what it is? But make sure you're watching like the R-rated uncut one. That's yeah, what you want to see. So be sure to check that out in time for the show next week. In the meantime, you guys can support the show on Patreon and also put in a vote for what movie you want to be on the show next with our bowl of movies that we draw out of every month. We haven't come up with a good name for that yet. <laughs> Smoking Bowl, I guess we call it that. Smoking Bowl, yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, uh, yeah patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. And on, over there, uh, there there's a, a new episode of the, the Patreon exclusive episodes up. Uh, it was on the Creep Show animated special. Yeah. We just recorded it. Uh, if you become a $1 or up patron, you get access to those. If you become a $5 patron, you can toss a movie title in the smoking bowl. We draw randomly from it. We also pull movies from there whenever we're just trying to figure out what to watch. So yeah. head on over there. That's Help right. us drive this car. Mm, you bet. And also rate and review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you can review mm-hmm. and rate a podcast. Doesn't cost you a dime. Just takes you a minute mm-hmm. and it helps mm-hmm. us out a whole bunch. So please go on there and do that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope everybody had a safe and happy Thanksgiving and is moving towards a consciously safe-minded holiday season. It's going to be please, weird, please, but hey, listen, y'all. Keep yourself safe. Weird is good. Like, having that one yeah. that was funky and strange, that's cool. Make this a wild card yeah. Christmas. That's the trademark dead lovely. Wild card Christmas. Make this thing just fucking different. Here's another thing, Steve. I want to put this out there, and I'm sure that at some point during the month of December, I'm going to get drunk and say this exact same shit again. Deal with it. You heard it here first, okay? Just because we're talking about, like, maybe you don't go to your gigantic family gathering and everybody infects everybody with fucking COVID and Meemaw fucking drops dead. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing, though. The Christmas season is so much more than just that day. And any more to me... I enjoy the season more than I enjoy yeah. the day where you Same. open presents and shit. I mean, especially the older I get and the more that's it's just stressful. Like, yeah, dude, yeah. it's stressful. Like that's where the pressure mm-hmm. of the holidays comes from. Yeah. Is there any pressure in staying home and putting up the tree mm-hmm. with your family? Absolutely not. Watching your favorite Christmas movies and making special meals and holiday treats like Chex Mix and cookies and stuff like that. No, you still get to do that stuff. You can still give people presents. Drop it yeah. off outside their house. It's yeah. fine. Fucking, just, yeah, exactly. FaceTime them or just wait in the car while they open shit. I mean, whatever you want to do, you can do it from a distance. You don't have to do everything just like always this year. Yeah. Be considerate. I, I do really like just imagine telling kids in the future about the year without a Christmas and like how interesting that will be. Just like, well, what did you do? Like, we found you know, ways around it, dude. Yeah, we found new things, and maybe those things become traditions. Like, you know, maybe you find out that the less stressful Christmas is, the more you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And no doubt. suddenly, that's the way you want to do it from now on. Because I'll tell you this, my wife and I have mostly done Thanksgiving, just the two of us, uh, for most of our marriage. And I have loved it every single year because it's no stress. It is just us. It's like, oh, cool relaxed like i know my wife's not gonna get mad at me <laughs> there's not gonna be any off-color talks at the table or anything like right. that yeah at no point is she gonna be like i don't like minorities like <laughs> if she, it would be the wildest shit if she did it would be like wait where did that come from now that'd be a wild card christmas right there <laughs> yeah so i hope everybody out there is enjoying things and making the best of it i mean you know 
things are just fucking weird right now, guys. But again, it doesn't mean that we can't have fun and enjoy a good holiday season and stuff. So light the menorah at home, decorate the tree, yeah. whatever the fuck it is that you do. Do nothing at all if you want to. I mean, Jesus Absolutely, Christ, sure. that's fine, too, if you want to do that. It's nice to relax. Yeah, no kidding, man. So, yeah, I hope everybody out there is having a good one. And we will catch up with you guys next week. Hopefully, I will come back with stories from our little Thanksgiving yeah. beach trip and be like, so what did you do? And I'll be like, nothing. The Literally best. nothing. I have <laughs> no stories to at tell. at the open ocean, and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Had a good bowl of pho on Thanksgiving. That I could get used to. Hopefully, that's all Hell I have yeah. to say, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you guys next time for Tammy and the T-Rex. Hope everybody out there is doing well. And uh, thanks so much for listening to this show. You guys have been fantastic. We've been dead and lovely. Be sure to uh, go out there and wash your hands. And your ass. Mm-hmm. Tune in next week. Bye. So the other day, I was on the Facebook and I saw that our our good friend and dead and lovely listener, Kev Bickadike was watching The Lord of the Ring, The Fellowship of the Ring, and I was like, you know what? I've got to film this guitar lesson video. It was this Phrygian fun video I put out a couple weeks ago on my channel. I was like, I'm just going to put Lord of the Rings on in the background just to have it on. Kev mentioned it. It's just a feast for the eyes. It keeps me feeling happy as I'm making videos and stuff. So I just had it on uh, while I was filming the video. And I found myself drifting off in thought and thinking about Gollum. Right. Smeagol. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have much to say about this. Maybe you can elaborate okay. on this more. But the basic idea is like Gollum making social media profiles, and it's like Gollum, <laughs> um, gender, male, pronouns, they slash them. <laughs> right. <Okay>. Slash we. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, we. Because he was kind of the plural pronoun before anybody else was doing it, you know? You know, and the thing is, like, he obviously isn't like a leftist that Gollum. No. So like he would include it, but then like all of the people he would want to be his friends on Twitter would be making fun of him for including pronouns in his bio. But then he would have to be like, we has to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are only interested in fishes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Gollum. Even on Twitter, he would have trouble making friends. <laughs>